Captain. Raging review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand. And let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alert! Alert! Ready! Who's your team ready? Who's your team ready? That's up! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Ladies, gentlemen, children, babies, Cajun Nation, another year, season six of Rage and Review. I'm Jerry, that's Nick, and that's Josh. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? Seems that Nick has lost all audio. Outside of that, doing just fine there, Jerry. Nice. Season six, baby. Season six. It seemed like just yesterday we got this thing started before COVID. And uh, time has flown since. We've covered a lot. And so we decided just to come another year and bring you more fun action of Raging Cajun Athletics from a fan's point of view, right? For the fans. And um, Oh, no, you haven't heard? Or we're the official voice. I mean, of course. have you not? I mean, absolutely. Yeah, heard. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about that. Uh, we're... We've received a lot of love from the Cajun Nation. I just want to thank all our fans and uh, all of the Cajun Nation for your support through the years. And um, we just had to keep the momentum going, keep the show on the road. The show must go on. So, oh, hey, Nick. Oh, look who decided to show up. What's up, Nick? Good to see you, buddy. How are we feeling? Good. And, you know, uh, just, just for starters, I wanted to say that, you know, we apologize for the delay. Um, there were some things we went through, some things were kind of maneuvering in the background. So, uh, we're here, we're here now and we're going to make up for lost time. It's kind of like a, a delayed flight, right? When the, when the pilot pushes full throttle on the plane to get you where you need to go to make up for lost time, that's where we are, but, uh, we're going to bring you all the necessary content. Uh, tonight we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, there's a little bit of maneuvering with Rage Review want to give you the best product we can, best content we can. Uh, we're going to talk about, really just talk about, you know, the start of season six. Uh, we, if we want to review a little bit of last year where we left off, we can. Um, Cajuns, football, 1-0. Uh, big win over Northwestern State the other night at Cajun Field. Final score, 38-13. to And as we know, they opened up the season this week. Conference opener already, second game of the season. First meeting against the ODU Monarchs. Cajuns travel to Norfolk, Virginia to play the Monarchs. Should be a lot of fun. And um, we have not. No, this is the first the first meeting between the two schools. So it's going to be a challenge, but it should be a lot of fun. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about what's going on around the Sun Belt, as well as uh, Cajuns women's soccer and a little bit of volleyball, uh, as those two seasons have really gone underway as well. So let's just talk a little bit about 
coming back here for season six. Uh, we've had a long summer. The last time we saw all you guys was going into the Coral Gables regional, uh, Raging Cajun baseball, uh, went two and one or one and two in that regional. Um, you know, they showed up and played, they played hard, couldn't get it done, but I know coach Daggs and, uh, and his staff and, and this team going into fall ball feel that they have more to prove. So looking forward to that. We'll talk a little fall ball going into the next few months. Uh, once that's all set and ready to go. Um, so now that we're back, it's, you know, it's kind of like we're back in school. What did Josh, what did you do for the summer, man? Did you have a good summer? Were you able to kind of decompress a little bit from raging Cajun athletics? How was it for you, man? You know how dad life is now. So there yes. is no decompression. Yeah. The summer is more work than everything else. You got to do summer vacation. You got to do multiple vacations because they're not happy with one. And then when you go on one, you got to work harder on number two because you got to make it better than number one. So <laughs> no, hell no, I didn't decompress. I, I, I'm more tired now than I've ever been. Uh, but no, we had a great summer. We had a great summer and you, you know, you referenced Coral Gables. And first of all, it was a thrill to get into that regional. And as soon as we got into it, we all knew it was a tall task. Uh, but I got to say the, the, the baseball guys, they, they surprised me a little bit. Um, I think that we knew what they were capable of. I didn't know that we were capable of them competing at that level. That was something to see. Um, pitching staff really stepped up. Uh, big clutch hits and big, huge moments. Uh, you know, you go back to the Texas game, two catches changed that game. You had a three-run job robbed by the center fielder. Uh, JT hits that three-run home run and changes the, the game completely. Uh, and then you had the guy in right field who made probably the best catch I've ever seen live. Um, that robbed us of another couple runs. Uh, what a regional it was. You know, you got blue bloods like Texas and Miami. Just to be able to participate in something like that says a lot about Deggs and his club and the direction of that team. Uh, but to go up there and compete at a high level was something – it was good to see. And, and look, it was good to go to A&M two years ago and, and compete, and, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, I felt like there was an extra edge with this bunch. And I know we lost some of those guys to the majors and graduations and things like that. But you got to feel good about where baseball's at. You really do. And then also there's another team on the on the diamond across the street there in at Lamson Park that did something super special by going into Baton Rouge and, and taking a regional, from, a regional from that school across the basin. And I'm super proud of that uh, because there was a lot of odds stacked against, stacked against them. And they come out, they come out and they just – they battle, battle, battle. They 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 score big time uh, late in the game to take the lead, and then they hold on to it. Big time defense, big time pitching. It was fun to watch. It was a lot of fun. This spring was a whole lot. Uh, it, it gives you a whole lot of hope going forward with those two teams in particular. But uh, the summer is what it is. It's over. It's fall time now. It's football time. I'm just happy to be talking about the pigskin again. There you go, man. You know, I, uh, I'm i like you, you know, the now, now that I had the little one, we took her to the beach a few times over the summer and got to enjoy the crystal clear water of the Florida panhandle. Um, and uh, it was beautiful. We had a great time. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm like a little kid when I go into the, to the water. I like to enjoy that crystal clear water and, and just enjoy the scenery. But, you know, every time we get back, every, we usually take a July trip to Destin. And when we get back home, that's when football sort of kicks in because you've got the media days, right? The Sunbelt media days. And then you've got all these different conferences and with conference realignment. I mean, we could talk about that. I mean, crazy, crazy moving of teams between conferences. I mean, now you've got teams from the West coast playing in the big 10, you've got this team going here and this team going there. And, you know, we haven't really gotten to the domino effect to where it affects the Sunbelt, but it's crazy how much 
movement there was this offseason with with conference realignment. I've never seen anything like it. And, um, you know, it's it's what's interesting about it is that, you know, 20 years ago, a lot of schools would move based on geography. And now geography is thrown out the window when you have Oregon and Washington going to the Big Ten and you've got USC and uh, UCLA going to the Big Ten and you've got all these different teams going to the Big 12 and it's SMU going to the ACC, the Atlantic Coast Conference, and you've got Stanford and Cal who are like furthest to the West Coast as you can be going to the Atlantic Coast Conference. It's crazy. It's just crazy how this has all happened. And, um, you know, indirectly, I'm interested to see how it will affect Louisiana. Uh, I don't like the direction it's going, but, you know, as they say, money talks. And I think that's what they're doing is, as Coach Prime would say, they're chasing the bag. First of all, I'm happy to talk about some national headlines, and Coach Prime was at the top of that list. How fun was that? What you know, everybody, unbelievable. I, 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 you know, I don't know how. It, it seems like, and Twitter is no real barometer of how the nation uh, feels one way or the other. But how entertaining was it? Doesn't matter whether you agree with his style or the way that he does things. It was so entertaining, and I will tell you this: the post game and the pre game entertainment was as good as the games themselves you go back to like buster douglas and tyson and all the the big heavyweight bouts and the promotion was you know half the game and prime does such a great job of promoting the game promoting his team and the way that he just went after people and he did it in a in a tactful way you know he said do you believe do you believe oh you're still not a believer yeah. oh, you know all this stuff like <laughs> the way that he handled it i like we we had a whole segment on one of our last episodes of last year where you know, we were talking about Coach Prime and the direction of Colorado and all the stuff. I, man, you, you can't watch that game and not not be a believer, not think that they can win and not think that they can have, you know, uh, Travis Hunter, who is a two-way player. Who's the last two-way player you saw at that level since Dion or, or Woodson? Right. I think Woodson played some offense in Michigan. But things like that, like it makes you want to watch. It gives you a reason to turn on college game day or the big noon show or whatever that was called now. You want to watch the game. It make it, it infuses some excitement into the college game at a time when you got so much uncertainty. You got NIL, you got conference realignment, you got collectives, you have all these things changing the landscape of collegiate athletics, uh, football in particular. Coach Prime kind of puts a blanket over all that and he says, Hey, look, we can still be entertaining. It's still fun to follow college football in Colorado and and you know, a, a coach like him. It, it just infuses a whole lot of fun into the game, which is that what it's, it's supposed to be that. Well, I think what's interesting is that we all know uh, Deion Sanders is a brand himself. I mean, he does a great job behind the scenes being able to um, be a trailblazer at everything he does. And being a former player, being a successful former player, um, being a coach that ha now has a resume and being able to surround himself with successful people. That's what, that's the thing about coach prime. He surrounds himself with successful people and the coaching staff that he's built at Colorado for, for this, for this coaching staff to go in and in eight months, take a team that went one and 11 and then go to the national runner up at their house, by the way, and beat them in one game. I think where it relates to, to, to UL is it's a mindset. It's all about a mindset, you know, and don't get me wrong. They have talent. And he, he basically, <laughs> he, he definitely flipped, he flipped the roster, but at the end of the day, in spite of the talent, there's also a mindset that goes into it. And he talks about, you know, do you believe and believing that you can win, believing that your team can have chemistry. And so I think that mindset, that championship caliber attitude is the attitude I've been talking about here for a long time. When I say culture of can't, 
don't get me wrong. They have resources, but a lot of it is, is a mental is, is the mental side of it. Believing you can go do what you can do. So where I can relate that is whoever we play, we need to go in with that mindset as well in every sport and everything that we do, every sport that we play, any team that we play, we have to go in with the mindset that he goes in with is in that we're going to dominate. And I think that really relates here because, you know, we have teams that are good enough to compete with anybody. And I think, you know, seeing what we did in the diamond sports, seeing what we, what we've done in football the last few years, if we can follow that mindset, we can, we can make our fans proud and do some great things, um, in, you know, competitively. Um, but Anyways, we could go on a tangent about this all day. Uh, let's talk. Well, well, it dovetails hey, into yeah. it dovetails into Napier. It dovetails into Napier. Nick, you with us? Yeah, I'm. I'm here. I don't know what's going on, man. I swear, I'm really moving right now. Not a ventriloquist, <laughs> ventriloquist Shaws. So while I still have audio, I want to say if we talked about the summer, I have triggered more TSAB fans than I think anybody in the history of the state of Louisiana, probably on the planet of Earth. The planet of Earth, probably. Uh, I, I have triggered more T-side fans than anybody on planet Earth. So I want to commend myself for that. Secondly, look, y'all, I, I, I like Coach Prime. Uh, he's a bit much for me. I like him as a coach, but I think he he overdoes a little bit. But it's one game. Let's see how it does, right? Um, he's got a great body of work at Jackson State, but he brought in the winning attitude, like you were saying, Jerry. No more culture of can't. We can't do this at Colorado. Yes, we can, and here we are. Very interesting. The transfer portal working, not how I guess we expected it to for a, a program like Colorado. We probably expected it to work like that, like we saw at TSAB baseball last year. But uh, a program like Colorado, um, you know, it's it's working maybe not as uh, as some of the quote power four, power five anticipated. Oh, no. We lost Nick, but but his point is well taken. And as far as Colorado goes, I don't care about I have friends in Boulder, but I don't care about Colorado football. I just want to be entertained when I watch a team that I don't root for. And Coach Prime is the ultimate entertainer. He's a showman. I mean, it's fun. I didn't follow and Colorado also, before he showed up. Oh, nobody, nobody did. did. And, and nobody look, did. And, nobody, and nobody nobody cares. No. People want to be entertained, you oh, know what I mean? And yeah. he does a great job doing that. So as far as like entertainment value, I'm all in. I'm all in. As far I don't know how many games he's going to win. He might he might lose all the rest of his games, but it was fun on Saturday. I agree. It was fun on Saturday. You know what I mean? I just hate how he makes it about himself. That's the only thing that I can't stand. But it's it's he he's doing that for a reason. He's a smart man. He's not here because he's a dumb man. So he knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. Sure. And and I have some takes on that. And, and Jerry, I'll let you go. But I would say that it dovetails into what happened to Napier. Uh, a couple of nights ago and the internet absolutely roasted Napier and you know he's talking about a slow build and doing it the right way and I feel all that I understand he did it here he's gonna do it there hard to have that argument when Napier uh when coach prime walks into Boulder a perennial loser uh in the in the pack 12 well it's not pack 12 it was a uh, big 10 before perennial loser yeah and he walks in and in literally four months turns him into a winner you just beat TCU. They just played for a national championship. Crazy. 57 new players in four months. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So the whole slow build thing is not going to look. I feel bad for coaches that do it the right way because now that Dion's winning, their timeline has gotten a lot shorter. And you saw the internet react to Billy. You saw the internet react to BK last night after his embarrassing performance against Florida State. 
And we can get into that for a second, too, if you want. But I just wanted to say that when you juxtapose Coach Prime's <laughs> immediate results based on what Napier's going through, whew, it's tough, man. It's tough. Yeah, and it's it, it goes to show you, I mean, look, Billy's getting, what, seven mil a year at Florida. Florida is a perennial powerhouse. They've won three national titles in the last 25, 26 years, I think. No. Uh, yeah, since 96, so that's 27 years. So there's a lot of expectations, and especially in the SEC, like you said, across down down the basin right now. You know, bef- you know, as of noon yesterday, they they were a college football playoff, uh, you know, uh, team, and they were they were a championship caliber team. And then this, as of today, as of right now, oh my gosh, is 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 Brian Kelly the right man for the job? Right? It's amazing how in a flip of a switch in 24 hours, when your team doesn't perform with that high expectation, how how people could flip on you and but but for for you know a justified reason when you're getting paid that kind of money and you go into that spotlight you're expected to perform and when you don't you're going to get a lot of critics so um i think i think with with that being said uh you know to your point about coach prime i mean look uh, to do that in one game i mean He's he's got everybody watching him now. So now, but I got to tell you, Jerry, you know, he saved college football for me for a certain aspect because I'm getting jaded. And I know Josh, you and I talked about this, and Jerry, I said I don't I don't know if I want to do this anymore because college football is turning into something that I I don't necessarily want to support. But this weekend, watching him and those kids who were told they couldn't do something and they did it, that to me is what college football is all about. So he, that gave me a little bit of hope that I'm going to kind of start getting back into it. <laughs> it. It's fun. It's fun. You know, and, and, and that game was probably one of the most fun games I've watched, you know, in a very, very long time. Um, you know, two teams. Well, Jerry, can I say this one thing yeah, real quick? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't argue with the execution of his players. Yeah. And I loved what his son, his quarterback son said, not Shiloh, uh, Shador said, he said, I just threw for more yards than I've ever thrown in my entire life. And I just came from an HBCU. It was almost like a deadpan moment where you had to stop and think about what he was saying. This man was playing against HBCUs out at Jackson state and never threw for 500 yards. He broke a Colorado record in game one against TCU. These guys have five-star blue chip prospects up and down the roster. And he had a freshman uh, Edwards, number three, Little small guy, he's like 5'8. He went absolutely nuts. You had, again, I brought up Travis Hunter, but he went both ways. And I think he had, was it 11 catches for 189 yards or something crazy like that? Yeah. And an game interception. Game changing, game breaking, and, and that and incredible interception. interception in the red zone. Yeah. So the thing about Coach Prime is that he makes you believe. I mean, you could tell that they really believed if y'all saw that, that pregame speech. Unfreaking believable. And sometimes uh, that's all it takes, man, is just getting guys to believe that they can do it. HUD did it. HUD did it. He made Major us all believe. Did it. That's right. And again, the connection to 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 Louisiana here is the mindset. It's an attitude. And you know, and 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 I say this because it is our first episode of the season, and we have a lot of Cajun sports to talk about in the next ten months. But in any sport we play, in anything we do, it's like Coach Prime says: you got to believe. And and all of this, well, we can't do this, we can't do that. I've preached on that so many times. We we can't we can't we can't continue to reach success with with this naysayer negative attitude and um you know and we'll and we'll talk about that as time goes on throughout the year but uh, I think I'll tell you it, it, we're all three sports right now are off to a great start and we'll talk about that more more or less as time goes on um, but it's good to see you know again the Rage of Cajun Sports is back we've been pretty competitive in all three sports. 
Um, but before we talk about that, I do want to, as Josh would say, pay the bills, right, Josh? So I'm going to get it started here. Uh, we're going to go. We first of all, we want to thank our official sponsors for Rage Review. Uh, these are the guys that that allow us to keep us going and do what we do. Start off with Gordon McKernan Injury Attorneys, uh, office locations in Lafayette, Alexandria, Lake Charles, Monroe, Shreveport, and Zachary, Denham Springs, Gonzalez, Hammond, with the home office in Baton Rouge. Go by and see the Chief Happiness Officer Penny. You'll be glad you did. Get the G guarantee. Gordon will win your case or don't owe a dime or you don't owe a dime. No costs, no expenses, no fees, nothing. Thousands in NIL deals assist athletes with everything from promoting their personal brands to networking within the business world. Call toll-free 888-532-1573. GetGordon.com. Get Gordon and get it done. Lafayette Roofing and General Contractors, licensed and insured, locally owned and family operated. Our friend Darren Domang, proud UL alum and RCAF supporter, also a huge fan of the pod. Lafayette Roofing is certified with the Better Business Bureau, where Mr. Domang serves as a board director. Reminder, if you haven't inspected your roof for damage with the wild weather we've had the last couple of years, make sure to check for sagging, signs of water damage, dark spots, holes, cracked or torn shingles, large amounts of shingle granules and gutters, presence of rot, mold, or moisture. Three different options for financing available. Also, they also offer exceptional interior, exterior painting and sheetrock services, and they have over 10,000 satisfied customers. I mean, for that reason, they can't be wrong. So give Darren and the crew a call today, 337-237-ROOF. That's 337-237-7663. 337-237-7663. Seven six six three, or visit lafayette-roofing.com. Patriot Steel Group, the guys over at Patriot Steel Group would like to thank all RCAF donors and encourage everyone to consider giving any amount they can to support our student athletes and their mission to promote our great university. Of course, owned by our good friend of the pod, Mr. Chris Russo, this is his new venture. Founded in 2021, the founders of Patriot have over 100 years of experience collectively in the oil and gas industry, and they offer domestic ERW or electric resistance welded and seamless tubulars. We can provide you with the quality steel anywhere in the U.S. from premium alloys to carbon grade. Contact Brandon Gallet or Reed Barbier at 337-443-9296 or visit the Patriot Steel Group LinkedIn page. So once again, to all our sponsors, thank you so much for sponsoring Rager Review. Give these guys a call. They'll give you 100 plus or 100% grade A service. And once again, thank you guys. So uh, nice job, Jerry. I not, know that was the first time you doing the read. It's funny though, Josh, you stepped away. He tripped up at the same exact spot that you did every time. So it's hard to uh, read. I know. So I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and record it like a radio spot to play. That way we don't have to trip over it every time. Hey, I'm all about it. You know, it's funny. Cause when I used to do the, the high school football games, our, our good friend, big Dave, the late big Dave Thibodeau would do the sponsors. And what's oh, funny is Dave. he never, he never had a, 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 a like he never had a, um, something to read off of. He would just have the name of the company and the business or whoever owned it and just make everything up and just improvise the whole entire time. And it's now. Oh yeah. Great. Poches. To the Especially po you go to Poches, you get you some, some good meat over oh, there. Yeah. He knew the Poches whole week menu. He knew the plate lunch <laughs> for every day of the week. And he, and it was to the point where Mike literally, I think had to either rec had recordings of him to where when it was Mike's turn to do it, he literally typed out everything Dave would say. And now he reads off of all of it because he couldn't remember it. I mean, Dave knew everything That's awesome. by heart. 
Yeah, Big Dave, man. It's been over nine so look, years since he passed. We missed that man funny, tremendously. On that, I used to do the same thing. I just had him, you know, got to remember to say the sponsors. This is going back a couple years. Well, I drink during the show and I would screw up the reads because I would forget her. It's a little different when you're doing live radio. The show? Yeah. So, yeah. So, no, I said, you know what? I'm going to start writing this stuff down so I don't mess it up. Exactly. Exactly. So, anyway, guys, so now that we got the sponsors done, let's talk a little UL sports. But before we do, Josh, uh, you know, you've been with the pod since since 2019. Let's talk a little bit about your future, what what you plan to do. Um, I know it's the elephant in the room. I know people have been kind of asking about it. So let's talk a little bit about that real quick. We'll get it out the way. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Are they asking? I mean, what, what, are, yeah, we, man. what are we asking? You're famous. Well, we're kind of a big deal, Josh. Yeah, I don't know. But there, Hello. there are rumors going around everywhere. Look, here's the thing. Yeah, your life changes. You know, your your priorities change. Uh, schedules change. Uh, so that on top of a few other things, and I, I, you know, I thought about what I may say, but I think I've I've changed my opinion on a on a, on a few of those. Um, basically, the the what people really want to know is that am I going to be around? Yes, I will be around in a very limited capacity. Going to help the pod behind the scenes, do some business stuff, but when they need a pinch hitter. If somebody's sick or somebody can't make the show, I'll come in and and help out, and I'll call into the post games when I get a, an opportunity to do so. But uh, you know, there's just a whole lot that goes with it, and family comes first. And I never want to put anybody in a bad spot, so I thought it was a good time to to bow out. But I think we've come to an agreement where the guys understand that they're going to do the heavy lifting, and I'll help when I can. Uh, also, you know, on the on the side of changing collegiate athletic. Um, landscapes and how much confidence you have in the leadership of the people that you're fighting for, you know, I, I gotta tell you, uh, there's a whole lot of evidence that say that uh, things have changed at Reinhardt drive over the last two years. So all of those things combined, I thought it was a good time to, to step away and I got real back in to help and that's fine. I, I don't mind helping. Uh, but I will be in a limited capacity. Nick and Jerry are going to do a fine job. They 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 know way more about UL athletics than I do, especially Jerry with his history, Nick with his connections. I'm just, uh, you know, and even if you really want to stop and think about it, you might even go a little bit further than Raging Review could have gone with me as a regular contributor because, let's be honest, they hate me. <laughs> the administrators hate my guts. So you might even get, you know, you might get your foot in the door a little bit more with, uh, with me in a limited capacity. So there's so many different reasons why, but, it was just a good time for me to to step back. And, uh, you know, here we are. So tonight is going to be fun. We're going to talk about the football game, and we can talk about whatever, you know, I know we're live, so whatever everybody wants to talk about. But uh, as far as what's been going on during the summer and behind the scenes, that's a little glimpse into it. And, and Josh, I just want to say, man, um, there's so much work that goes into this pod, and none of us get paid for it. I mean, I know we get sponsors. That right. money goes back to the university. So, um Say that again, Nick. Yeah. All the of the goes, money that we, we get, get from the sponsors, we take it and we support other initiatives like sending the basketball managers to the final four, like uh, sending money to a journalist to try to make the away games because nobody's going to pay for them to do so to cover the Cajuns, like the general fund, like the basketball fund, like paying for track man for the baseball team. We take all those sponsorship dollars and we put them back into initiatives for the Raging Cajun Athletic Program. Just for all the people out there that have something bad to say about what we do here and what we say here, I just want to 
you know, say that we put our money where, where our mouth is and then some. So long story short, thank you. Um, you've been a rock star, man. People don't know half of what you do. And um, you might not be everybody's cup of tea with your opinions. Um, but to me, challenging is what we're here for. We're here to challenge the norms and and ask the questions that other outlets in the media won't and cannot ask. And does that make us bad guys or does that make us on the side of the fans? I'd like to say that we're on the side of the fans. So um, again, man, um, I've known Jerry for a long, long time. You, you and I have really gotten to know each other over the past couple of years and you've become one of my best friends. So thank you for everything that you've done. And uh, I'm glad that you're going to, you're going to come in and help us out a little bit. I appreciate you saying that Nick um, feelings mutual, buddy. Yeah, Josh, uh, I'm the one that dragged you into all of this. I pulled you in years ago because I knew you you had a You passion. bastard. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, look what I did. But, you know, one thing that uh, I've always admired about you, whether it's on the Rage and Pagan or you and I having hour-long conversation or hours of long conversations about UL is uh, if there's anything people can't deny about you, whether it's whether or not they have a different opinion or whether or not they disagree with the things you say or agree with the things you say, there's one thing no any nobody can deny about you is that you are passionate and you do care. Um, you know, you've put in tons of work behind the scenes. I don't think people really understand the work you've put behind the scenes with Rage and Review. I mean, you you keep this machine going, you know, from video editing to calling sponsors to doing all kinds of things behind the scenes that allow this thing to keep going. So um, you know, and look, this is a team effort. We all play our role, but you know, one thing about Josh guys is whenever Josh wants to do something, he goes not only a hundred percent, but 200% and putting in the extra effort to make sure that whatever product he does, uh, it's, it's, it's the best that it can be. So Josh, uh, we're going to miss you here, but, but like we said, you're still going to, he's still going to be a part of the podcast, just more behind the scenes to give him more time to do what he has to do with his own endeavors. And so Nick and I, <laughs> so Nick and I will continue these episodes. Uh, we're still going to bring the same passion, the same rawness. We're still going to talk UL sports. We might get mad at times, right? We're still going to yell. We're still going to fuss every once in a while. But one thing we want to do is we want to make sure that the fans still have a voice. We want to make sure that, uh, that there's still a passionate voice out there for Raging Cajun Athletics. And, um, you know, again, Josh, thank you so much for, for, for enjoying the ride with us, but, uh, we know, we know you won't be too far away. So, um, you know, first of all, to you. Got to clear something up, Ryan. I'm not about to cry. I'm losing my voice. So I apologize for that. Number one, number two, I love, I, I, I mean, like I said, Josh is one of my best friends. Love the guy to death, but I do the video editing. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's throw that out there. Okay. Jerry calls new, video editing. I mean, audio, audio editing, editing, video editing. Now, He's always right, done that. You do the guys. audio. It's I'm the, the audio king. guy. It's the Our, technology knowledge. Or but I'm just going to say that new intro thing I got. That's me. Yes. All right. I just, everybody good. know that. Okay. <laughs> it's good. And look, it has so much less to do with me and so much more to do with everybody that came along. Uh, you know, our, our, we set out to have a grassroots uh, group of people that really wanted to push the brand forward and, and real Raging Cajun fans, the ones that don't waver when it's easier to pull for the other school. And um, I'm happy with where we are five years later. We've, we've done that. We've cultivated a group of people that will go to battle on the internet if that's what it takes or show up to the games, away games, show up to the tailgate, you know, six hours early when it's 145 degrees outside. We found those people. They've come to us and been involved with the with the with the episodes and crusading against the administration if that's what it takes or crusading against the league if that's what it takes or whatever the only way to push something forward is to have a group of passionate people that care about what they're doing 
And I feel like we've succeeded in finding those folks and bringing them together. And that was always the goal. So it's a whole lot less about me and it's a whole lot more about the group effort. And I'm thrilled about where it is. And I know I'm leaving it in good hands, regardless of how you want to look at it. I know I'm still a part of it, but uh, you guys are going to do fine. You guys are going to be great. And, and again, you probably have a better chance at getting more leeway with the old university. So it is, it's a win-win. So thanks for leaving, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you for helping us out. No, all joking aside. No, Josh, uh, thank you for, you know, uh, putting, putting your time and dedicating your time to doing this with us. And uh, once again, he won't be far away. Uh, he'll still be helping a little bit behind the scenes, but again, Nick and I are going to keep this, this baby rolling uh, through these episodes and, and bring you the best coverage we can and best content we can for, uh, for Raging Cajun Athletics. But anyway, now that we got that out the way, so the Cajuns are 1-0. Opened the season the other night against the Northwestern State Demons at Cajun Field. 7.46 kickoff. Uh, I know there were a lot of factors going into that, uh, whether it was the heat, the lightning delay. Um, but the Cajuns came out victorious. Final score 38-13 to to start the season 1-0. You know, I, I had the chance to go. Josh, were you there the other night? No. Okay. So, um, no, nah, man, I didn't. You couldn't make it. Okay. Well, I don't know. I could make it. I was protesting. Oh, okay. Well, fair enough. Uh, it's a long story. I mean, we can get into it if you want, but I mean, it's a long story. <laughs> well, now that you, you let the cat out the bag. Now we need to know, uh, and acquiring minds want to know why you didn't go. Let's hear it. I mean, you know why. You know why. <laughs> you don't promote on campus. You don't market. You don't sell. You have no sales force. I'm sick of it. I'm protesting. I followed the team because I can't I can't not follow them. I'm, I have a sickness. But my kids wanted to go to Moncus Park. And I told you guys one of the reasons why I was distance, distancing myself is because I'm getting older. Kids are getting older. It's going to be a choice. Do kids want to go to the game? That's where I'll be. Kids want to go to Moncus Park? That's where I'll be. So I kept my word. And that's and the Josh truth. You would be even more pissed off if you did go because there were 20-something thousand people in the stands and they counted 18. So, <laughs> so it's better you didn't go. <laughs> and and it was hot as hell. And, you know, what was what was the first half? Two hours? I Okay, so before everybody gets mad at me, I had my my 19-month-old with me. Uh, Allie came, and, of course, she's good luck because we won the game. But uh, her bedtime's at 7. And so we we took a chance. You know, we, it's, it, we make exceptions every once in a while, um, and this was an exception. We brought it to the game, but – Halftime, it was 10 o'clock when halftime hit. So we had to leave it a little early, uh, unfortunately. No, I'm not a bad fan because I had to. I have other obligations. but uh, And I did watch the game, and, and then I would watch the second half from, from my couch. But um, it was a late start. It was a late game. And, um, you know, we had a great time while we were there. But, you know, I mean, look, when you have families, you have obligations. Sometimes you have – some things are more important. And this was one of them <laughs> – this was one of those situations where – you know, we had to go. I mean, and because it kind of dragged. And, you know, my friends and I were in the stands. We we're like, well, what about this new clock rule that college football is promoting, right? They have this new clock rule. Time's supposed to be going by faster. And as I look at my, my watch, it's it's almost 10 o'clock and it's not even halftime yet. So uh, we had to leave it a little early. But um, again, I was able to watch the game uh, from my couch and enjoy, you know, the second half. But uh, it was it was a fun atmosphere. And, and, and look, to, to Josh's point, what he's trying to say is, you know, there's been some, uh, I don't know if the admin's going to be happy to hear this, but you know, we've talked about lack. Hey, of I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. So I can say whatever the hell I want now. Yeah. that, that they, they, they screwed up. That, Look, you can't tell the freshman not to come to the game because there's a rush week. That's so stupid. You got to fire this lady. That's destroying our Greek life. 
I forgot her name. I know we talked about her last year. You got to get rid of this. This is a joke. Now, the students did show up, and you got to give a huge shout-out yes. to the students because well done, students. I did not expect that at all. But, Jerry, you and I found out late last week that they lifted the whole uh, freshman ban uh, on, on visiting <laughs> so, the student tailgate because Ragin' Pagin went berserk. Ragin' Pagin, so, of all things, Ragin' Pagin. Yeah, so basically what happened was there was hearsay on Ragin' Pagin that uh, freshmen could not go to the tailgate because of rush week and because there was alcohol. And so most people, but most of us were like, well, what about the home game after that? There's going to be alcohol and the game after that, there's going to be alcohol and pretty much any rage occasion event, you know, they're going to find a way to bring in alcohol. So what does that, does that mean they're banned from every game? And then you've got sophomores and juniors who aren't 21 yet. What about them? So, so why just freshmen? And so word got out and fans were getting upset about it. Like, why just the freshmen? You know, it's their first. I mean, here's the thing. When you're a freshman, let's say, for instance, you're out of state. You don't know anybody, right? You have no experience in Lafayette. You're not familiar with the area. The football game is a good way to culminate a sense of, number one, early school pride. And number two, a place where you can make friends, meet people, kind of really, you know, acclimate yourself with the community. And then they tell you they tell you, you can't go. You know, that that to me was weird. Um, I thought that was strange and sh lo and behold, sure enough, because apparently Ragin' Pagin had like a 15 page thread on it. Uh, a day later, I was told by a, by a student that the ban was lifted or, or they lifted that, uh, that rule. So, um, you know, everybody can say what they want about Ragin' Pagin, but apparently it had a, it had a, an effect on letting freshmen go to the tailgate unless they Well, didn't. that's, that's so, not the only thing that changed, but yeah. Yeah. But like if we want to be big time, we always talk about how we're going to be big time and act big time and charge big time prices. I guarantee you the big time universities aren't telling their freshmen they can't go tailgate before a game. And to me, look, I'm not I'm not at all condoning illegal activities. So if you're underage, you shouldn't drink. You shouldn't drink. I guess I, no, that's got to be my, my disclaimer. Follow the rules. But yeah, if it's going to happen, wouldn't you rather it be in a safe environment where the kids aren't driving? Right. Because they're all going to go to fraternity roll right after and they're going to continue the party. D those kids who weren't going to drink at the game are going to go out downtown and do the same thing with their fake ID. So I'm just saying, not condoning drinking underage, no, but no, it's, I mean, you can't, if, if we're going to be big time, then we, some things are just going to be out of our control a little bit and you just got to let it go because that's for a, a, the authority figures to handle. That's not for the university to come down and say, well, if you're under 21, you can, uh, is that what we're going to do now? We're going to say if you're under 21, you cannot go to a football game? But it wasn't if you were under 21. It was only freshmen. Freshmen. So I know, but I'm just 21. saying, is that the next step? I turned 21 when I was a junior. So that means half of my junior year, I was under 21. So why just one class when you've got two other classes that are under 21 that and look i get the liability trust me i'm like you i don't condone underage drinking none of that but the liability could group. happen to any class there right. are some seniors that are not 21 it's a they make it up as they go and the reason why you have people like us out there and i'm not saying that we make all the change happen i'm saying that we're one of the factions that make change happen you can't let these bureaucrats go unchecked you can't do it because they make jackass rules like they made. You have no look. I don't know what kind of effect on the uh, audience that it had, but I can tell you right now that freshmen look at that. Potential freshmen look at that, and they say I have absolutely no desire to go to a school like that where I can't even just go have fun. Who cares if I drink? Half these people, seventy-five percent of these kids, have had a drink four years before today. It's such a ridiculous thing to do, and it's it is the destruction of the Greek life that they want so badly since twenty fifteen.
Yeah, Dean said it right here. They'll go across the basin and drink. You know, if they can't do it here, they're going to go to another another school and do it. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to stop there because I do have to stay on this podcast. <laughs> you, you don't. There's a lot I could say about it. But, you know, at the end of the day, we have to stop trying to be parents. I get we want to protect the kids as best we can. But this just didn't make any sense to me, well, in my opinion. It's liability. No Again, if you're just going to ban, if you're not going to let freshmen do it, then you got to say that about sophomores and juniors or just not have alcohol at all. You don't just, you know, again, there's a ton of students who aren't freshmen who are, who are under 21 and that would be breaking rules and breaking the law. So and look, that's where if we're going to be moralistic about it. If we're going to be moralistic about it, stop making Raging Cajun beer. Tell Herbie Schillen to take all his money and go back to his his uh, his distribution uh, company. We don't need his money either. Because if alcohol is such a, a black eye on the community, well, we don't need to take their money. So you got a school that makes their own beer, a school that has their, their one of their biggest donors of the last 40 years has a, a distrib uh, distributing company, but freshmen can't go because there might be drinking at the student tailgate. What? It's such a ridiculous assertion. It's such a ridiculous assertion. It, it, it's... It, it is indicative of how they do everything else. That's what pissed me off so much about it. It was so uneven. It was so stupid. And I'm glad that it changed. It's ready, shoot, aim, right? But Perfect. We're not, we're not Provo, Utah, right? We're, we're South Louisiana. We are, again, you go 50 miles across the basin, they ain't telling freshmen they can't go to the, fresh, to the, to the tailgate. Are you kidding me? There would be a mass revolt uh, on campus. So... Hopefully they put that to bed and got over it and whatever, but it's, um, yeah, again, I'm, I got to stay on here. So I'm going to stop. It. Yeah. Stop I'm my with tracks. you on that. No, I, I mean, like I said, it just, you gotta be, you can't be, you, when you, when you create a rule like that, you got to make sure it's justified and you got to make sure it makes sense. And, um, you know, and, and luckily they flipped it. Luckily it, it, it didn't go into effect and, um, you know, it, it turned into a great student turnout. I mean, the students, they showed up and they showed out, you know, we, we got on the students last year after the Troy game pretty harshly. I actually listened to it uh, a few weeks ago and it, we went on a rant and we actually got into some arguments with students as some of them were actually justifying not to go. And we're like, no, man, you got to go to the game like that. We were students. We were students at one time. We showed up to every game. And I got to tell you, the other night um, before the kickoff even occurred, like when the players were warming up after the lightning delay, the crowd, uh, the, the student crowd was getting into it with the players, the team, our team was pumping them up. I mean, it was great to see. I mean, my wife and I were looking across and we were, we were proud alumni looking at that. And that's why we took, I took the screenshot, gave a shout out to the students, uh, got a lot of retweets and, and comments on it and all positive. So, you know, red zone student, you, you, UL students, we need this five more home games, five more home games. We need that same type of energy because your presence and your energy that you brought on Saturday night created energy in the entire stadium. You're the one that makes that stadium roll. You're the one that makes Cajun field a dangerous place. So we need that every single home game, bring a friend, bring a friend, even if they're not a student here, bring them, bring, we need that those two or three sections packed. And I'm hoping that if we could take care of business this week and then take care of business uh, the following week at UAB, and we can come back with a good record against Buffalo that, that, that the red zone is, Rocking even more than it did the other night. So, job. Hey, Jerry, we win the next. We win the next two games, and we're gonna find a way to do the live, uh, a live pregame podcast oh. from the Cajun Field. How about that, baby? I'm, I'm all about that. I'm all about all right. that. I, I'm committing that to you. All right, all right. So, so, anyways, um, with that said, um, 
we talked about we talked a little bit about uh, the the whole student tailgate thing. Uh, Josh, we're just gonna go through the list and just let it all out. I know it's your last episode. Mascot. All right. So as you've known, um, with Rage Review, I think we're on day twenty six for needing a mascot. Uh, look, it's the low hanging fruit of fan engagement and school spirit. Okay. Uh, other Sunbelt schools have a mascot. We brought the Cajun chicken back. You know, Mr. Russell Heim, he's not getting much younger. He's actually up there in age, and the man brought it in February. And what happened? It was the highest attended basketball game of the season because he showed up. And it was just, it was very indicative when I saw that. I'm like, you know, if the, if the man could get into a chicken costume and turn himself into a mascot legend in Lafayette and break records, break records uh, for, the, for the season, a season where we went to the dance, Maybe we need a mascot. Maybe we should brainstorm something. I don't care what it is. See, it's not. See, everybody wants to get into the intricacies of it needs to be a gator. It needs to be a dog. It needs to be a, a human. It needs to be this. It needs to be that. It's not about the costume as much as it is who's in the costume. If you know the story of the Cajun chicken, Russ, Mr. Russell, he he the, the chicken co costume was a last minute thing. He just saw that the, a chicken costume and was like, okay, I need something. I'm just going to get this chicken costume and turn it into the legendary Cajun chicken. If we could do something like that and the, whoever's filling in that costume has spirit, that could be great. And that could create fan engagement and that could, you can go to schools, you can go to commu uh, community events around town and, and bring that same passion and energy. And yet, you know, it's been six months since the Cajun chicken showed up and not one iota of, of news or anything about a mascot. So Raisin Review has taken upon itself to, have a campaign of we need a mascot and every day we um, we're going to say we need a mascot uh I, I was like look it's day one now we're on day 26 pretty soon if you follow us on twitter maybe by day 30 i may start saying it in different languages to make it more entertaining i don't know um but uh yeah i we definitely need a new mascot anybody in, at on on campus uh whether it's marketing or whatnot if you're listening we're going to keep pushing this campaign we need a mascot but why is this such a secret deal where nobody wants to talk about it. Like nobody at the university wants to talk about any type of mascot. We've been saying this. I start, I started talking about this midway through last football season and there, and, and the fans got upset about it and they started talking and Twitter went wild about it. And here we are again. And now other mascots are coming to our home going, you know, free cayenne or whatever. Like, why is this such a big deal? This is easy. Like you said, Jerry, this is low hanging fruit. And if we want to engage with the, with the kids that are going to be hopefully future Cajun fans, you need somebody at the schools representing the, the university. And it's great to look, don't get me wrong. Des going down there. Some players going down there is all fine and dandy, but in two years, there's going to be different players, right? And there, you need to have something that's consistent so that the kids as they're growing up always look forward to it, right? So I don't get why this is such a secretive deal where nobody wants to talk about it. Are they, maybe they are working on a mascot. Maybe they're not. Why aren't they? Why, you know, if they're working on it, what are they working on? But when the fans are coming out with all these ideas and then you got the the albino, the al, the, the, the gator, and some people are like, I hate it. And some people, are, I love it. But it's just silence. Nobody from the administration wants to talk about it. I mean, we've not had a mascot for what, 10 years, it seems like? Yeah, it's been 10 years since Kyan's retired. And to your point about Albino, you don't have to like it. You could think it's no. the worst thing in the world. But you know what? A UL alum took his free time 
and took hours and hours of designing this and, and trying to create something and not a single ounce of acknowledgement whatsoever. And I'm like, you want grassroots? This is, that was a grassroots effort. You don't have to like it, but if somebody is willing to take time out of their busy schedule, out of their work schedule, their family life to do something like that for the school, for the university that they graduated from, don't you think you should at least acknowledge it and say, hey, you know what? Maybe this isn't what we're looking for, but hey, thanks anyway. Thanks anyway. And when we do come up with a mascot idea, maybe we can talk to you and consult with you and, and get your feedback. Or maybe if you want to design it for us, you can. Why not? I mean, you, you can't even acknowledge that. That's a problem. When you well, want, if we have a committee, we, we have a committee that decides when the bell that never rings rings. Okay. Like there's an actual handbook or whatever you call it that is put together a manual that says when that bell that we never hear ring will ring. Okay. And how many times it will ring and why it will ring. And if, if so women's soccer wins a national championship, it's going to ring. Nobody's going to hear it because it's a Cajun field, but whatever, it's going to ring. They have a committee doing that. If we can put that much effort into a bell that we never hear ring, we can come up with a mascot. There are no excuses except for laziness, in my opinion. Look, Cajun people, we Cajuns, we're all Cajuns here. We pride ourselves on grassroots efforts. Look, it doesn't take much for us to have fun, okay? Give us some ingredients to cook a gumbo or boil crawfish, not dusted, right? Give us some music. Give us a band. Give... <laughs> what do you mean not dusting? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We pride ourselves on dusting crawfish now. I forgot. My bad. But like... <laughs> The look that Nick just gave me. It's, it's it's episode one, man. You're already getting on my damn nerves and we're barely into it. <laughs> oh, that's why I'm here, man. But, you know, we pride ourselves on grassroots efforts. As Cajuns, that's who we are. I mean, as long as you have music and food and a little bit of fun and some place and, and some space to dance and just have a good time, it doesn't take much to entertain us, right? If we're If we have alumni and fans that are all about grassroots efforts to do something as simple as create a mascot, and, and you don't acknowledge it, then how, how is, how do you expect the community to jump on board with something that you try to push for in the future? When, when they, they see that you didn't even acknowledge that, that mascot idea before. Right. So I, you know, I just think, I just think this needs to be pushed. I, I know to some people it may sound petty, but again, it's low hanging fruit. It's low hanging fruit. And I just feel like we're letting it rot. Agree. hundred percent. I'll be succinct. L Saloom at Louisiana.edu. Deluge that email address and maybe somebody might say something. Corey paid a guy from Parish Inc. to work with him on creative. He didn't just take his free time. He spent his own money. He went all over media. He went, he went on TV. He went on print. He went everywhere. He had an actual campaign and a strategy that he rolled out. And these people can't even give him an, a, a response. That's symbolic to me. It doesn't matter if the albino was good, bad, or whatever. If you're indifferent, who cares? One of our own, uh, an Ivy League student at, the, at right now, he's a graduate student at an Ivy League college. He's one of our own. He took his time and his money to try to put together a mascot that we could be proud of. He asked for input. He did everything right and they won't even give him a response, that, are, that is exactly what I'm fighting against. That type of leadership. 
That's a leader shit. It's not leadership. It's awful. You can't even give the man a simple email. You, you can't respond to as many calls, requests to even have a conversation. Sounds familiar. <laughs> I mean, a guy. Don't get me started, their, Nick. Giving their money to the university, giving their time, coming up with these ideas, radio silence. We get it. But we won't get into that. Let's talk about the game, Jerry. Anyway, so yeah, but, but we, we got that out the way. But again, Cajuns victorious over Northwestern State, 38 to 13. Like I said before, the crowd attendance, 18,186. I didn't think it was too bad. I know we laugh about it, but uh, there were uh, stories of people trying to get in because, of course, the new mobile ticketing app, right? New mobile ticketing. You have to enter to the gates of Cajun Field or all UL sporting events now through your mobile phones. And, um, some of the tickets didn't scan, so they were just letting people in. Um, with that said, shocking. With that said, Shock. the crowd was still great. I thought it was an energetic crowd. Again, I thought the students drove the bus there. Uh, where we sat, it was pretty loud. It was a lot of fun. And I think the anticipation for football season helped with that. Uh, you can definitely tell um, that it was pretty it was pretty boisterous. I hope to see a better crowd against Buffalo, depending on how we do these next two weeks. Um but, you know, with the statewide burn ban where you couldn't cook or grill, the tailgating, the parking situation, uh, I thought everything rolled pretty smoothly. I thought it was it, it rolled a lot. It was a lot better than what I expected with all of the different different circumstances. And, you know, we want to talk about game day operations parking. Look, uh, because of the burn ban, um, the parking lot across Congress or the grass lot. Um, there were no cars allowed to be parked there. So what they did was they allowed you to park at the Cajun Dome and they opened up space for lot E parking um, to where you could just go in and park there for free. Uh, my personal experience when I got to Cajun Field, I have an E lot pass and they actually said for E passes, you can also park in lot D. Uh, when I got there, because I got there about 45 minutes before kickoff, we had to feed my daughter and then we, we headed to Cajun Field. They sent me to lot C. They sent me to lot C to, to park. And I'm looking at my wife. I'm like, why are they sending me to lot C with an E-pass? Because I was worried that if I park in with an E-pass and C that they might, they might tow my car. And so I asked the parking attendant and she said, well, because of the flow from, because I enter through Congress, the flow from Bertrand, they send you, um, they were sending people in different directions to make sure cars weren't like, you know, parking in the same spot but I ended up parking closer to the gate or the defense off of Congress in lot C. But one thing, if there's anything that I got out of that, okay, now we've talked about the parking situation. First of all, the perception, when I pulled into Cajun Field and saw all those cars in the parking lot, it looked pretty awesome to see a full parking lot at Cajun Field. It looked- Insane for a decade. Put more cars in, it makes it look more full. People want to go in. Perception is key It's so here. dumb. Perception is key here. When you see all those cars parked at Cajun Field, it looked like something cool was going on. It looked like the place was hopping, right? But another thing that I got out of this, okay? If I have an E-pass, okay? And they're letting people park for free in E. And then they let the people in E go park in D. And then when I show up, they let me with my e-pass park and see what does that mean you know what that means there's a lot of spaces available there's a lot of spaces available in the parking lot if they're letting people from e park and d and then letting my part e-pass park and see a lot of spaces available why not in my and this is 
I'm just talking out loud. If you have that much space available and you want the parking lot to be full, here's my solution, right? Hear me out. Take the last three or four years, or we'll take 21 to 23 because of COVID in 20. Or you can even include 18 and 19. I don't care, okay? Because the parking lot didn't really change too much. They shifted a little bit, but not too much. Take the average number of passes that were purchased through those four or five years and then average them out out of compared to the allotment that is offered in each of those spots, whether it's lot C, lot D, and lot E. Take the empty amount or the remaining or the difference um, amount of parking spots that were empty or weren't purchased and create a lot for paid parking inside a Cajun field. Charge 10, 20 bucks. And guess what? You not only do you make money, but you can still sell C, D, and E. You make money for the general parking. And once it fills up, send the rest across the street to the grass lot and the Cajun, the Cajun dome. And again, here's the, here's the kicker. You make more money off of that. Why not? And now, and, and, and your parking lot looks full. Or you take the temperature of your fan base, which we've never done, and you have a limited premium parking spot, parking lot, I'm sorry, get rid of the rest of the stupid lots that nobody even knows what the hell they're, where they are, and you just charge 10 bucks a pop for everybody that comes in the gate. You make it easier on everybody. And look, I'm going to pay 10 bucks. If I want to get there, if I get in, you know, maybe 30 minutes before kickoff because you had a situation where you had your daughter and everything, I'll pay 10 bucks to park closer to the stadium. But you have a premium lot for your, your, you know, your boosters and whatnot. That's a limited spot. It's a gigantic field. It's a limited spot. Everybody else, 10 bucks, whatever. Come whenever you want. That's how you do it. That's how this fan base is going to respond. If they'll pay. If they don't, they'll park at the light center. And you see that people we, are going to pay we, for We overthink. Though. We overthink it. We overthink it way too much. I, I mean, think about think about the, the different apps to order food and all this stuff. And you pay a premium for convenience so you don't have to go out and mess with anything. People will pay a premium to, to park close if they don't have to pay for a whole season. If they're doing it game by game, they're going to pay for it every single time, 100%. And because Nick, I'm gonna pay. I might pay twenty dollars to park for Southern Miss, but I ain't paying that for Northwestern State. That's how people think. That is the if you take the temperature of the fan base, that's what a normal everyday Cajun fan, casual fan, will tell you. Sure, I'll come to your game. Sure, I'll come to tailgate. But I'm not spending five hundred dollars or fifteen hundred dollars to tailgate every game. I'll come and do it once or twice. That is the temperature of the fan base. These people fail and refuse to realize that. Yeah, when we played Rice in baseball, I uh, paid 10 bucks to walk half a mile to the stadium, but it was closer than the other options. So I paid that $10 every day. I paid $30 to park. Not Didn't even think twice about it. People will pay. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that I'm willing to bet that the parking lot in Cajun Field is not sold out of passes. And I'm willing to bet that there's a lot of availability inside the parking lot to where you can still make revenue or generate revenue to the empty spaces. And again, it makes your parking lot look more full. Now I pulled up Kent's comment because he says it means we need a lot more $500 or better donors. That means that in order, because as you know, with RCAF, you have to give a certain amount to be able to buy the parking pass. To me, there's a way they can work that out. I think there's a, a, a way they can work that out while satisfying a general parking uh, lot designation, which allows people to pay inside the lot. What they want, and you know this, and, and I'm not giving you any breaking news here, but they want the guaranteed sold product. 
It's the same thing with the corporate tickets. They don't care if you show up with 20 people from, uh, you know, McDonald's. They don't care. But they do care that they sold the season package because they got to keep the lights on. Same thing. They see the real estate as something that we can guarantee um, sold. I, I can bring this to Maggard and say, hey, I sold this out for the season. But what they don't realize is that all those tickets that they sold or all those parking spots that they sold that aren't being used, you can do it on a game-by-game -game basis and double the money. Or if you don't want to try to double the money, you can use it. It's it's more risky, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. If you show up on game day and that one is not already sold, you're kind of hoping that it gets sold. But but you're, you're still killing your client base because your client base is not going to show up for Northwestern State. They're where they're going to show up for Buffalo or Southern Miss or App State or whatever the case may be. But they don't want to they don't want to they don't want to tell you that because then it makes them look like, you know, they don't care about butts and seats. And we've had this conversation already. Well, it makes them, you know, what's scary is I understand you have to make money. It's a business. I get that. But at the same time, this is college athletics. I also don't want to look like rice. You know, where, yes, they have money, they have donors, and that's great. Look, they got to the ACC, AAC conference, but then they play on TV in front of 200 people because nobody goes. Like, I don't want that model. I'd rather, like, I'd rather kind of, I'd rather, like, not to say lose a little bit of money, but take a little bit of less for more butts in the seats, if that makes sense. You think ESPN wants to put you on the mothership when you got 500 people in the stands? Right. Right, exactly. I mean, you know, that's my thing is like, I understand we're trying to look, we're trying to make money. I respect, I mean, obviously it's, it's a, I mean, that's what you got to do, but I don't want to turn into rice. Oh, we sold all these, we sold all this parking stuff. We sold all these tickets. That's great. But nobody's showing up. But Jerry, that's the model they're going after. You know how I know? Because rice is full of white collar donors. Their entire donor base is white collar. Nick will tell you the same. The whole blue collar, middle class, Fan has been completely left behind at Rice. I've been to football, basketball, and baseball over there. It's all yuppies, white collar type. That's, that's not what, us. It's all high dollar premium. That's but that's what they're us, trying man. to do. But we're not. That is the model they're going after. They us. don't have. They don't have the staff to go after the blue the blue collar guy. They don't have the time and the money, so they go after the white collar. And sooner or later, you're going to run the blue collar out of town. It's going to be all white collar, and nobody's going to be there. That is the model they're pursuing. We're look. We're not sipping champagne at our tailgates. Okay. That's not who we are. We don't. We don't have. We don't speak for yourself, Jerry. <laughs> of course, Nick. Hey, would. Of course, Nick would with his. Blonde. Now look, if it's a morning game, I will say if it's a morning mimosa. game, you know, yeah, you're gonna Maybe have your little mimosa. I understand, but but no, that's not who we are. That's not who we are. Uh, we don't have. We don't have the cheese and the crackers. We don't. We don't do that. That's and 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 I think that's the kind of demographic Josh you're talking about with those type of schools. Um, but I do. I really do think there is a solution to make it a win-win. I do think that, you know, you can still have your, your you know, your because here's the thing. You don't want to upset the donors, right? You don't want to upset the RCAF donors, like Kent mentioned, who have to give a certain amount to RCAF and then have to pay to park. But I do think there's a solution and a, maybe a formula that they can they can brainstorm. I mean, that's that why they were hired. They were hired to come up with these ideas, you know, where I think it can be a win-win. I do. And look, if you lose a little bit of money on the back end, you, you know what you can do? You create more foot traffic inside a Cajun field and have, a, you, by creating more foot traffic inside a Cajun field, you create more opportunity. Empty Cajun field creates no opportunity when nobody's there, when there's no feet walking around the tailgate spots, right? And, you know, to our point about that 10 years ago when HUD was here, 
yes, I know the biggest complaint was all these people at the Cajun field, they don't go into the stadium, they tailgate. But you know what they did? There was a lot of foot traffic, a lot of foot traffic at Cajun field. And compared to the 14,000 average we had last year, we were averaging 23 to 24,000. So they were having eight or 9,000 extra people, even though not all of them were going into the stadium. I'm willing, I would love to have more foot traffic around Cajun field, even if they don't go to the games, if, if it takes having an, uh, an attendance average of eight or 9,000 more than what we have now. Yeah. And it, because it's an event, because now you've made it an event and people want to go and be seen at these events. But when you make it difficult for people to tailgate and you, you raise the price on the tailgate where it's not affordable, then people aren't going to have, they're not going to use the spots. It's going to be empty. It's going to look bad. And who wants to go to an empty stadium speaking kind of like when we're talking about the parking, who wants to go? I mean, they're going to pass by and go, nobody goes to those games. You know, it's perception. Right. Exactly. And with that said, uh, hopefully all of this gets figured out because breaking news a few weeks ago, uh, the UL board uh, approved the demolition of Cajun field uh, at the end of this season. We're hearing that uh, for those of you sitting on the home side, whether you're in the upper deck or the, the chair backs, like we are enjoy it enjoy because this will probably be the last season you'll be sitting in it um we are expecting demolition to occur after the season uh, i know dr maggard has said a few times that next year starting in 24 uh, most of you sitting on that side or all of you sitting on that side including us will be displaced whether it's the south end zone or the student side or the east side and then in 25 or 2025 we're hoping that uh that new side the west side will be ready to go Brand new stadium, all refurbished. Uh, I think over 30, 30 suites, club level, the whole, the whole shebang. So um, that's big news, and uh, uh, we'll be, uh, as you can see by my my Da Vinci drawing that I had with the crane or the 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 bulldozer in front of Cajun Field. Hopefully, it becomes real. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we couldn't simulate it, so Jerry had to use his artistic skills to show everybody right <laughs> through a picture that that's what was happening at the end of the season. You know what's funny is that um wasn't Da Vinci he, a scientist? Oh, mathematician. He, I think he was a mathematician, maybe. Yeah. yeah. But um P Picasso, maybe, Jerry? Um, yeah, that's true. Why did I say Da Vinci? Um, sorry. M Michelangelo. Mike, Michelangelo. How's that? Michelangelo. My inner Something. Michelangelo. But going back to um, you know, perception and 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 it's so funny because TSAB fans will say they don't care about us and then chime in every time something's done. You, there was the announcement and then it was on, on Twitter or X or whatever it's called. Uh, and then you had these fans going, well, they don't even sell out their current stadium. Well, you idiot. We're, we're lowering the, 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 the capacity because when you look at, I mean, watching SMU play last week uh, over the weekend and then watching Tulane play, I mean, Tulane had 23,000 people and that stadium was packed and it looked great on TV. And that's what we need. We, we need that, uh, that, that more intimate, you know, uh, kind of setup so that we can one look great on TV, even though, you know, that, that eight quote, 18,000 fans would look a lot bigger in Tulane stadium. That'd look a hell of a lot better than they do in our cavernous 40,000 seat stadium. So um, I'm looking forward to, the reduction of of attendance um, or seating rather, and hopefully, once we start getting decent attendance in that stadium, people will start showing up and it become the place to go. So fingers crossed for that, and hopefully they get it done in two years. Um, and Nick, here's the other thing: if they want to go after the white the white collar bourgeoisie crowd, if you have a smaller stadium, all right, and you have an event 
at that point, you raise the price and it makes sense because right, it's scarcity, exactly. the supply and demand. You don't have to have double the capacity. Just raise the seats, raise the seat prices. People will pay them if they need to be there. Perfect example is when Mississippi State came to town for the uh, for the super or for the regional. Um, I think I think I paid one hundred and ten dollars for a general admission ticket, and that was for my brother in law. So people will pay it here. You just got to give them a reason to pay it. And if we have twenty eight thirty thousand fans, and we are maybe ranked, or we're going for a Sun Belt championship in our home. Uh, stadium and it gives us an opportunity to get into the playoff, which is something they never talk about around here. Now, if you win the Sun Belt, you have an opportunity for the playoff. Um, maybe you get a more affluent crowd that's willing to pay a couple hundred bucks a ticket. That's how you do it. Yeah, exactly. I agree. And and uh, but anyway, we'll hopefully um, hopefully we can talk more about this uh, at the end of this season. The first time the demolition ball hits. Hits the uh, Cajun Field press box side. That that's when I'm gonna believe, right? As as Coach Prime says, do you believe? I'll believe when that first demolition ball hits that wall. You know, I don't want. Them I just look forward to more more drawings from you, um, <laughs> showing the progress of the demolition. I'll go set up a live cam out there so we can watch them work. Remember when they did oh, that? Oh gosh, <laughs> prove it. Prove it. <laughs> and it didn't yeah. move for like two months. <laughs> that's what led Zan to go post that thread. Excuse oh, me, what's gosh. going on here? We need money. Of course, of course. But but anyway. Uh, no, that, that that should be an exciting time. But uh, but in the meantime, we still had football in there. We still got five more home games left, or hopefully six with a conference championship. But uh, starting last Saturday night, Cajuns went in and took care of business for the third time. I've said it, uh, to beating the Northwestern State Demons. And uh, let's just talk a little bit about the game. Um, I, I thought that the Cajuns played pretty well def uh, offensively with the run game. Uh, we could talk a little bit about pros and cons. Um, I'll just give you my my uh, insight on it. Offensively, I thought the offensive line did a great job with the rushing attack. Uh, I think the running backs averaged 6.1 yards a carry. Uh, we had a few long runs, including Dre Washington's, uh, I think it was like a 60-plus yard touchdown run to start the game. Uh, and, you know, look, our, our running back, um, our running back depth chart is is deep. Uh, you know, you got to see uh, Dre Washington, Jacob Cabote. Uh, I think, I'm not sure, I think it was um, – Terrence Williams or was it uh, the Williams from Karen crew? I'm, I, I, I get Kendra Williams. Kendra Williams. I mean, he looks like a bulldozer um, and, and it was just fun to watch our rushing attack kind of play to what we've always known that we were in spite of like last year with the lack of a production from the offensive line. I really enjoyed watching our rushing attack do what they do. I mean, we are, our offense has always been uh, more of a, run balanced attack which sets up for the play action uh so it was good to see that i think we're going to need to we're going to need those bell cows in the backfield uh as in the next couple weeks um but it was just good to see i mean jacob Cabote looked like he put on some 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 muscle i mean he was just bulldozing everybody kind of like his inner trey regus yeah dre washington that just has a burst of speed uh xylan perry had a few really really good runs including a really good kick return um you know again uh, kendra williams i mean look if it wasn't for his injury last year, I was really curious to see what he could have done, but it's good to see him back in the depth chart. Uh, even Terrence Williams got a carry and he looked really good uh, in the second half. So, I mean, we're just so deep at running back. I mean, if you want to wear teams down and wear down front sevens, we got five guys who could start the concerns I had offensively. And it's kind of weird because the offensive line, it's almost like a Jekyll Hyde situation where they look great against with the run, 
uh, run protection, but pass protection was lacking. Uh, I thought Ben Wooldridge, uh, just to give you a stat, uh, 14 for 32, uh, 200, 223 yards passing, three TDs and one interception. Um, for Ben to come back from that ACL injury late last year and to, for the and miss the entire off, miss the entire spring, come back in the fall and be, become the starting quarterback, I commend him. I knew he'd be a little rusty. Made some good throws here and there that were dropped. Made some bad throws here and there that I think he'll improve on. Obviously, I think he's got time to improve on that. But I felt like he was pressured a few times because the offensive line just. I don't know what it was. They just, I don't know that the pass protection just wasn't there. And, um, you know, he, he was, Ben was forced to make some throws. He was, he, he didn't mean, he didn't make meant to make. Um, but all in all, look, the team scored 38 points. We could have scored 45 if we don't fumble the ball in the red zone. Um, but I think, I definitely think uh, receivers and tight ends quit dropping the ball. We had too many drops, but that, I think that comes with youth. Um, and I, Again, pass protection needs to improve like now going into ODU. Uh, defensively, I got nothing to say because they are they played lights out. All 11 guys, front seven, D-line, linebackers were just making tackles left and right. The secondary, as young as we are, were fantastic. They were flying around. Uh, one of our good friends, Coach Lou, you know, he coached the Cajuns in the 80s under Nelson Stokely, told us, told me that it's one of the best defenses he's seen since 1993. Uh, our good friend of ours, Zan Beckett, played uh one year in 1998 he knows football a lot he said this is the best defense fastest defense he's ever seen so um that's some big words for some people who are pretty influential with this program to say something like that especially with the youth uh losing guys like trey amos and camp ladesco for guys to come in behind them and as as tony would say work while they waited especially as underclassmen i mean we got a bunch of sophomores and juniors for them to come in and do what they did Outstanding. Uh, I think the future looks bright for this defense. I think Coach Morgan had him ready, and uh, we need that same intensity going into Old Dominion. And I, I'm just really excited with this what this young group can do. But uh, overall, good win the other night. Um, don't, another thing about offense, can't turn the ball over three times. That needs to be fixed. But I think it was compared to last year where we beat Southeastern 24 to seven. I thought, I thought the other night we played pretty well. I, I think we're way ahead of where we were this time last year, and. Look, got a tough conference opener against ODU. Let's see what happens. But uh, good way to start the season, 1-0, big win. And um, now we can sit here and actually celebrate that instead of <laughs> complaining and being concerned about what we see or what we saw. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. Um, I think going back to Ben being under pressure, watching the game on TV, I didn't see a lot of missed assignments or blown blown. Um, blown assignments what i saw was it seemed like and and i heard this i don't know if des mentioned it but i know that northwestern state had a lot of transfers coming in so their their defense from last year's wasn't going to look the same they they didn't really know how to game plan for it so there were a lot of situations where they brought the house and we just didn't we weren't set up to 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 cover that so I, I, it might be more of a coaching scheme thing on the offensive line because that left side really on the running, like you said, the running game, they really, they really protected our, our running backs there. But um, that being said, Ben's passes, I don't know. Sometimes he was under pressure. Sometimes he wasn't, he wasn't at his best at times during that game. At the same time, if it hits you in the hands as a receiver, you got to make the catch. 
And there were a lot of times where that ball may have been under or overthrown just a little bit, but they had their hands on it and they dropped it. So I know this is broken record. Biggest improvement is going to be between game one and game two and wide receiver core. A lot of new guys there. So we relied on Peter LeBlanc. We relied on our tight ends to try to get things going. Pierce Meagle was involved. Uh, but next week, those guys, when we hit them in the hands, they got to make those catches. And I think we need, and I think that's why Des forced the throw a lot more than we like to see in game one. I, we wanted to run the ball from, from the start, but I think he wanted to give the receivers a chance to get some experience and get that, that real game feel under their belts for game two. So I think he forced the issue a little more than, than he would uh, under normal circumstances. But again, if, if Ben gets the ball to you, you got to make that catch defensively, man, there's nothing you can say. I think Osai is going to be a beast before all is said and done. Um, they're just so impressive. And, and Northwestern state, look, they're, they're not a great team. They're going to be a, a low end, lower of end of the spectrum Southland team. But that being said, to, to be as dominant as they were, um, it, that was very, very good to see. And I think they're, they're slight, they're quite a bit ahead of, of the offense right now, but, um, I think it's it's encouraging to know that you can lean on those guys to step up when we need them in key situations, which they did so many times uh, last weekend. So all in all, I'd probably give it a B grade. Um, never thought we were ever in danger of losing the game to Northwestern State, but there were a lot of things to be concerned about that you mentioned, Jerry, and I think we just got to get cleaned up this week. I'll comment on all three phases. I'll start with special teams. Special teams was up and down. Uh, you can't fumble the football on a muff on a, on a fair catch. Jacob... First of all, Jacob Bernard as a, a kick returner, I had a ton of excitement about that. I wanted to see what he was able to do. It seemed like after he muffed the ball, they kind of neutered him. Uh, it, that just cannot happen. That's something that cannot happen. So that's concerning. Now, he did. He was sure-handed on the other, what, nine punts? The guy punted 10 or 11 times, something like that. Um, we kicked the ball out of bounds. That can't happen. Um, the new punter yet to be seen, some good, some bad. It's a C-plus for me. Uh, special teams wise, you know, Kenny looked good and he only had a couple of opportunities with the extra points and whatnot. Uh, I guess he did make a field goal as well. Uh, I don't know. I, I expect a lot from Kenny because he's been here for what feels like seven years. He's, he's got to be five or six years. Uh, he's got a lot of confidence. He's healthy. Feel good about that. Special teams got to clean it up. Got to, because I feel like we're going to be in some close games. The West looks like a gauntlet. You got Texas State going out and beating Baylor. You got, you know, obviously Troy coming back. South Al didn't look great against Tulane, but that's a good team. ULM beat Army. The West is not going to be uh, – there. You, you will not be able to sleep on any teams in the West this year. So I we have to be sharp on special teams. Defense. Okay. I said before the beginning of the year that I had a ton of faith in Coach Giuliani and Coach Scott, linebackers and defensive linemen, I thought would make the biggest jumps. I thought our front seven was the core of our team going into the season. Uh, they didn't show me anything on Saturday that makes me change my opinion on that. Casey Osai is a absolute dog. I think well, Caleb Edwards, Jasper Williams, uh, Tyler Gidry, who's also been here five, six years, those guys at linebacker are going to be hell on wheels. I can't wait to see what they do. The defensive line, while undersized, is about as athletic as we've ever been on defensive line. Uh, well, not as that's probably hyperbole. In the last 10 years, I don't know how athletic we've been 
uh, if you take away like Juice and Ringo. Other than that, Sonny is healthy and he he has a motor and he's very strong. You got uh, Nigel McGriff who was everywhere. I was so impressed with number ten, big time. Um, Wiser, I didn't see Wiser make a ton of plays, uh, but he if he's in the mix, he's gonna make a. a a big impact because he's got all the talent you would possibly want. And then, of course, you got uh, Bayless, who everybody, you know, foot wrote about him and everybody kind of knows his name, but he was in on a couple of big plays. Fast, physical, quick, uh, agile. While not huge, they were they lived in the backfield. And, and look, Northwestern State's offensive line was just slow and terrible, and we can get into all that, but I'm just evaluating what we did. I was so happy with the, the play of the uh, the guys up front on defense. The secondary, I'm going to start with the safeties. Tyrone Lewis and Tyree Skipper might be better than Braylon and Percy together. Because, listen, Tyree Skipper, he's young. He doesn't have a lot of snaps under his belt. But you can play him at the star. You can play him at linebacker. You can put him on the line to blitz to be a pass rusher. And he's good in coverage because he's one of the fastest guys on a team. And he's huge. I don't know if y'all noticed. He's like 6'1", 225. Dude's absolutely huge. So Tyrone Lewis is your thumper, and he's like Camp Desclos size. But he's in on he's in on run support. He does now. This is yet to be seen, but I want to see what he can do uh, deep. When he when he had when he's the last line of defense, I want to see how how free of a free safety he can play. So that's something to be seen. But he was everywhere that he needed to be. He caused problems on blitz packages, and he was good in coverage. And he hits people, and I love that. You mentioned Jerry, the youth of the cornerbacks. Amir McDaniel's been in the mix for quite a while now. I think he's a junior. Uh, now he hasn't been a starter, but he's played a lot and I don't know how much you lose Trey Amos. You lose a ton. Okay. So you can't expect him to be Trey Amos at the gate, but the guy's ceiling's pretty high. Then you got Caleb Edwards is six, one or six, two. He's a former wide receiver. He can do everything that, uh, that, um, I'm thinking of Washington, um, uh, Washington from Iowa state, uh, number 16 made a great impact, shut down one of the best receivers in the big 12. He reminds me of uh, of Washington, uh, and I, I can't remember his first name, and I apologize, but he reminds me of that size, physical. He's still learning on the job, so it's a little bit raw, but Caleb Anderson's going to be a playmaker for us. I really believe that. And we have guys in a 2D that can play as well. Don't sleep on these young guys. Uh, you, don't forget about uh, C.J. Caesar. He's in the mix. He's huge. He's he's not uh, a, a girthy guy, but he's also 6'1". I think he's like 190 right now. He's going to grow into his role. He's still a sophomore. So you got guys that are going to play in the 2D. The defense is going to be the strength of this team. Make no mistake about it. We got stars at every single level of the defense. And, and I'm excited to see what we do against ODU. More, you know, level competition. Because, look, it, Northwestern was not good. Offensively. I love that we sprung some big plays, but I don't want to be a rel- relying on a big play offense. I want to be able to control the clock, run the football, go up and down the field. Now, if you look at the stats... We were balanced. We had something like 220 yards passing and 190 yards rushing, if I remember that properly. Yeah, we had um, uh, we had 223 yards passing, 206 yards on the ground. 206, so good. So right, you balanced right, there. Right between, yeah. And some of that you can attribute to play calling, which is great. You saw a healthy Pete who looked good. He, I mean, he ran his crisp routes. He, looked, he had an extra step. That's the guy that we remember from 2021. I mean, that's who we need. You know, he's not just a possession, a possession receiver. He can go out there and make big plays for you. You saw that. You had that. You saw Neil Johnson flash across the screen multiple times. Now, look, I want him to catch the football a little better. I thought that uh, there was a couple opportunities that he had, but I'm not going to put that all the way on Neil. Uh, some of that is timing, and, and Ben's working himself back into the mix, and 
timing is what it is. And, and like Nick always says, game one to game two, you're going to have the biggest improvement. So I'll wait to see that. I was impressed by the young tight end, 86. Uh, um, Williams? Was it Williams? Super impressed. Now, he looks like a little bit of an undersized tight end. He reminds me of a Jimmy Graham type. Not a blocker, but a, a true receiver out of the tight end role. Uh, he caught some balls on on kickoffs for as an up back, and he made some plays. So you got that. You got some explosiveness there. You got a lot of youth in the wide receiver core. I was happy to see Harvey get some passes. Obviously, they have some confidence in him as a young. Uh, what is he? He's going to be a freshman. freshman. He's a freshman. Yeah. So you know you got to be happy about that. That they went to him a few times uh, in the second half, and uh, you know he dropped one. He made a catch and. It's going to be a work in progress, but it's good. That's raw talent right there. He's just going to have to develop with reps, and it's good to see that. Well, I think we saw a lot of similarities in 2020 going into Iowa State. Remember, we had some guys, some veteran guys who got hurt, and then you have guys like Cluster Dante. injury there. Yeah, a lot, yeah. a lot of injuries. You had guys like uh, Errol Rogers come in, Dante Fleming, both of which are gone now. But they guys like those two stepped into the role as as freshmen and and lit it up, and we ended up going 10-1. and one. So, um, you know, I, I had the chance to go to the quarterback club luncheon, and somebody had asked him about that with the youth of our receiving core. And uh, Coach Leger was also a guest speaker, and, of course, he coaches wide receivers. And uh, he even said that. He said, you know, with, with the youth, they, they are all – they have, you know, they have to develop, but at the same time, you know, they have shown flashes in camp to show that they, they can play, you know? Um, and I think Pete, yeah, Pete was a guest speaker as well. And he said the same thing. He said, you know, they're, they're young, but at the same time, they, they, they they're learning. They have a, a really, they're, they're learning pretty fast. So um, the only way you can really learn at this level is, is getting play time and, and, and going out there and, and just getting your feet wet, being able to, you know, uh, get used to the speed of the game as opposed to high school, being able to have a few passes thrown at you, right, uh, w when you're in coverages. And um, I think that was the best opportunity for those guys the other night. You know, even if they would have dropped the ball or two, you know, you still, you got to throw to them. That's It's almost like baseball, like Tony used to talk about. You know, you're not going to get experience if you don't pitch, right? Same thing with these, with these young receivers. And I think they're going to develop as time goes on. Uh, if you're a freshman and you're on the field already, you must be pretty good. You know, we could have gone the Juco route. We could have gone, go get somebody in the portal. We got a bunch of freshmen starting. So, uh, uh, dro you know. drops don't bother me right now. I mean, people are going to catch the ball. You know, I mean, Pete has had issues with drops. I'm not worried about that. The, the issue is, is that we've got plenty of talent and it's just going to take some reps. Now, I'm, I was happy to see Meagle get targeted. I'd like to see Jacob Bernard get more targets. I don't know what that was all about, but. You know, I want to see veterans get some opportunities early in the season. Now, I know they want to target the young guys and get them some reps. I get all that. I want to see the tight end room used, and it was. So I'm happy with that. Y'all know I love that. Uh, I was underwhelmed with the offensive line, the right side in particular. I will give Northwestern State uh, some credit. They had a guy on the left side of their defensive line, right side of our offensive line, that really just whipped the absolute piss out of our right tackle all night long, just beat him regularly. Fast, quick, had some great moves, nothing but pursuit, relentless. It, it was interesting to watch. We got we've got to figure out who there's about eight guys that can play right now. And uh, I stayed up late with uh well, I'm not gonna say that. I talked to somebody on the staff last night and we stayed up late talking about the shift, well, the shuffling of who's gonna play when and there's a couple of undisclosed injuries that aren't being shared right now. Every, not everybody's up to 100%. So there's going to be some movement. I will say that it was nice to see Burton back at center. You could tell that it had been, you know, the middle of the offensive line had been solidified to a certain degree. 
Um, so that was good. Gilly looked good at times. I, I expected more, if, if I'm being honest. The offensive line has got to be more consistent. Now, you guys mentioned the, the run blocking, and, and it was good, but I thought that the run blocking, I thought that the run game was its most effective when we ran stretches and pitches. And I give all the credit to wide receivers and, and tight ends on that. If you go back and watch that, we had some tight ends and some wide receivers that were blocking their ass off. And that sprung a couple of, of, uh, of big runs, uh, Dre, Dre Washington's run in particular. Um, so, so the run game as a whole, it looks good. On the, the left side of the line. On the left side. <laughs> the, 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 the running back room is hella deep. Zylon Perry, outside of the fumble in there in the red zone, that's tough and that's young. And that can never, ever, ever, ever happen. And hopefully he learns from it. But that guy's a home run hitter. I want him touching the football, whether it's out of the slot, whether it's out of the backfield, whether it's on kick returns, whatever it takes. He has got to touch the football. And my last comment will be, um, well, also, Kabodi. Kabodi's healthy, and he's the bruiser that we need, that we missed. We need him, and he runs inside, especially between the tackles. I was very impressed by his running and his toughness. Last thing is Ben Woolridge. You can't question the guy's toughness, Okay. He's out there with a wrapped knee. He's coming off an ACL quicker than everybody thought. He ran down a guy that, uh, you know, recovered a fumble. He ran down 75 yards and saved a touchdown. I will never question his toughness. So, I, you know, what I'm about to say has nothing to do. He's obviously a leader. The guys play for him, all that stuff. However, you got to be better than 40, 14 out of 30. 40, 14 out of 32. Now, I know, look, some of the past, you're not going to have a pinpoint accuracy pass every single time you throw it. But we missed some big-time plays down the field because of either bad decisions, inaccurate passes, and yes, he was under pressure a whole lot, and that's not his fault. But he's got to be better. I got to see more out of you. I got to see, see the ball on the numbers, not behind people. On a crossing route, you got you to lead him. You know, that hap- how many times did that happen where Pierce Meagle is doing a five and out and the ball's behind him or on his hip or at his feet? Like, that can't happen. It happened too many times. It wasn't two or three times. It was six or seven times. And throwing into double coverage. Throwing into double coverage. Pass, forcing, staring at receivers and then forcing the ball. Again, I'm going to give him a ton of leeway because he's coming off an injury. He hasn't been in the mix. He's This is basically his spring. And I get it. And I understand it. And I know he's tough. And look, I got a ton of respect for the guy. I think that if you sat down with Ben right now, he would tell you, I got to be better. This was not good enough. Uh and, and that's what I'll say, you know, it might not be a popular opinion, but the fact of the matter is, is that if you have an offensive line that's going to struggle to pass protect, you got to have a guy back there that's able to make something out of nothing. And I know Ben busted a couple of plays, but those were called keepers, okay? And I've also been a guy that thinks that Zeon should be getting some reps. And maybe because we pissed and moaned all year last year about a two-quarterback system, Mike is going to stick it to us and not play two quarterbacks, which I respect. I respect it. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I need somebody back there. If you have an offensive line that's developing and going to give up some pressure, I need a quarterback that's able to make plays. And I don't know if Ben is that guy right now. And I'm not saying he shouldn't start before everybody freaks out. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that, look, if you're going to be that pocket guy and we're going to run a balanced pro set, you got to be able to deliver the football, even when you have a hand in your face. That has to be who you are. And that's my rant. But but here's the concerning part, Josh, is that 
some of those passes that he underthrew, because there was a lot more underthrows than overthrows, a lot of those passes, he was not under pressure. I don't know if he was anticipating pressure. I don't know if he was not seeing the receivers well. I don't know if there was something he wasn't expecting, but there were a lot of times he wasn't under pressure and, and he had some missed throws. So I think there's no doubt that the offensive line and Ben have to get better next week if they want to have another win. If they play next week like they played this past weekend, it could be it could be a, a, an iffy situation, especially on the road against an FBS opponent who, by the way, I know they didn't have a great week one, but they beat Notre Dame last year. And I know they ended up going like three and seven or something like that. But they beat, didn't they beat Notre Dame? They, they, Who did they beat last year? They beat Tech. They beat Tech. Notre Dame. So, yeah. Tech, sorry. Yeah, that's okay. No, so, Virginia Tech got back at them last week. That, that just goes to show you that they they have some pieces in place, didn't all work out, but they can beat any Sunbelt team at any time. I don't think there's any Sunbelt team we're going to play this year that can't beat us. It's Texas State, they've never beaten us in football. Guess what? We got, like you said, Josh, we got a tough, tough West to, to schedule this year. So, um, Glad you mentioned the 75 yard run or whatever it was stupid that, that Ben went tackle that guy. That was insane. I don't think I've ever seen that, but again, as I was saying, getting better, the one thing that is carrying over from last year to this year is third down. We are, we were not good on third down again. Thank and you for that, saying that. I wanted to is, say that it was like two for 12 or something. It was, it you, was, I got to figure out third down. I know. And, and, and uh, again, this is the second year four for 14. And I wouldn't even say second year. I mean, this has been, I think under Billy, we had the same problem. I, I know that was one of the big drawbacks and, and I, I get it that we didn't have a whole lot of third downs maybe, but when we did have a third down, we, we could not execute. We're better on fourth down than we're on third down. And we shouldn't be in that position to have to go forward on fourth as, as much as we do. So that again, it's a trend that we've seen over the past couple of seasons that has got to reverse. If we want to be successful and we want to be better than we were last year. And I know coach Des alluded to that. I believe today in his press conference, he mentioned that third down conversions. I mean, it's very important. Um, you know, and when you play teams in your conference that know who you are and, and, and can capitalize on stopping you, that's when you know that you have your, those numbers have to go up. And, uh, you know, to, to your point about Ben, look, I, I think Ben, again, Ben's still recovering from his injury. I, I knew he would have a little rust this week, but I will say this, going 14 for 32 against an FCS opponent, those numbers have to get better. You know, 14 completions out of 32 attempts, that's, that's not going to cut it. And, and, and he knows that. The coaches know that. So hopefully, you know, going like you said, the biggest improvement is from week one to week two. Hopefully we can see a difference this week against uh, uh, the Monarchs um, in Norfolk. But again, to wrap it up, when Ben is having a tough time getting the ball out, his receivers have to help him at some point. And it seemed like they didn't when, when if it wasn't, you know, precisely where the receivers would needed it to be, they were dropping passes. So they've got to help him out. I'm not saying that that would have, you know, made a huge difference, but next week, if, if he's starting to under or overthrow, we gotta, we gotta be athletic enough to make some of those completions. I agree. I agree. But anyway, to wrap it up uh, again, Cajuns victorious 38 to 13 over the demons. Uh, they'll now, they will travel to old dominion on Saturday and the demons. We wish Northwestern state the best of luck the rest of the year because they head over to Ruston this weekend to take on the juggernaut Cusa without the dash. 
mighty Cusa powerhouse, <laughs> Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. So best of luck to the Demons. Make us proud so we can get more material and content out uh, to post a certain video that we like to post. But anyway, let's talk a little bit about the uh, Old Dominion Monarchs. Um, new conference members as of 2022. Uh, they are uh, coming off a loss at Virginia Tech. It looks like the coach Brent Pry and the Hokies got their revenge on what happened last year in the season opener in Norfolk when ODU took care of business. Um, the Cajuns open up as a six and a half point favorite against the Monarchs. This will be the first meeting between the two schools. Um, they get, kickoff will be at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. So uh, I believe it's, of course, ESPN Plus. Turn it on and uh, you'll see the Cajuns take on the Monarchs there. A little bit about ODU. Um, they they lost by the score of 36 or I'm sorry, 36 to 17 to Virginia Tech. Uh, their quarterback is Junior Grant Wilson. He threw for uh, 94 yards and I believe two touchdowns and one interception. He was 13 of 25 for 94 yards, two touchdowns and one interception. He was actually the leading rusher on the team against the Hokies, 81 rushing yards. So it looks like we have uh, a mobile quarterback and somebody who has a decent passing attack. Um, 94 yards seems kind of low, but again, two touchdowns, not bad. Um, running back Keyshawn Wilkes, uh, next behind, um, behind Wilson was the leading rusher, uh, with, uh, we're well, not leading rusher, but leading running back rusher, uh, with, uh, 14 carries, 73 yards, no touchdowns. And, uh, they have some talent, uh, in the receiving core with Isaiah page wide receiver, Isaiah page, two receptions for 17 yards. So I got some information. Uh, looks like the ODU Monarchists, uh, ODU fan podcast that we're good friends with, by the way. Um, they actually wrote a recap on the ODU Monarchs uh, loss to Virginia Tech. And some things that stuck out to me, uh, offensively, they gave up five sacks. So it looks like their offensive line struggled a little bit against the, the front seven of Virginia Tech's defense. Uh, and they couldn't create separation with their receiving core. So there's a little bit of similarities that I saw uh, as far as issues go that they faced uh, against Virginia Tech that we had against Northwestern State. Now, granted, they played Virginia Tech and we played Northwestern State, but there's a lot of similarities there to where I think when we look at the film, we can say, okay, there's some things that we can we can capitalize on and take advantage of. Defensively, uh, Virginia Tech had 109 yards rushing, so it looks like uh, O'Dominion's defense is pretty solid. They're pretty solid against the run, but you know, we had over 200 yards rushing. It'll be interesting to see um, the bat the battle between our rushing attack versus their def their rush defense. And um, they struggled to get a pass rush, and their secondary looked like they blew some coverages. So maybe that can kind of work into play with our passing game and our pass protection. Hopefully, that can kind of create some opportunities to where we can make up for some lost time uh, last week. So the matchups look pretty interesting. Again, we're a six and a half point favorite. I'm actually kind of surprised we are going on the road. It's going to be an intense game. Um, you're playing in unfamiliar territory. I know Coach Dez and the guys will be ready to go. But, um, you know, this is a very unfamiliar team. We've never really, we've outside of watching them and in other games, we, we don't really know much about them because we haven't really played them. Um, but again, I got to give a shout out to ODU Monarchists. Uh, they reached out to us and uh, look in the next couple of days, uh, they're going to probably produce an article about the Cajuns this upcoming game against us. And uh, Rage and Review was able to give some insight from our point of view, uh, a little bit about our podcast, as well as what can we expect on Saturday in Norfolk. So, you know, to be honest with you guys, if I could give a prediction, I mean, honestly, on paper, I think we are a little bit more talented. I do think we're probably a little bit, we're, we're probably have a little bit more speed. 
Um, but again, these type of games are dangerous when you go on the road against a team you've never played because you really don't know. Like it, you just, it's easy when you go up against Arkansas State or when you go against a team in your conference that you face every year because you see them every year. You you know, you you know the their offseason moves. You know what they're doing, whether it's, it's coaching changes or personnel. With this team, it's it's new. I I don't know what to expect. Um, but I'll say this. This is a very important game for us, not only because it's the conference opener, but if there's any game for us to make up for the mistakes we made last week, to go on the road, to open up the conference slate in the second week and win, that'll bring a lot of momentum going into UAB. And so I'm hoping, hoping that we can exploit some of those disadvantages or some of those weaknesses that they have. For example, they struggled against the passing attack against Virginia Tech. That gives us opportunity. And um, hopefully our, our rushing attack can overpower their defense. Again, they got a good rush defense. So I'm excited about it, but I'm also very curious, if that makes sense. I'm very curious to see um, what we're going to look like against the Monarchs. Yeah, to your point about um, it being unfamiliar territory and you never know what that's going to be like. I mean, you think back to, to baseball and James Madison. We go up there and we get swept. Unfamiliar, right? Um and I feel going into this game kind of like I did that series, not knowing really what to expect. I intended to watch them play um, over the weekend, but I I don't remember what happened. Something happened and I wasn't able to catch the game. Um, but I, from what I, I've understood or read that they might have a little bit of experience on, on uh, both sides of the ball, um, they're not going to be in a situation with their receivers now. Again, they played Virginia Tech, so their the receiver's not getting separation. That's probably a reason for it. Uh, but it, it, I don't know. This, this one's, this one's weird. This one's just one of those kind of games that you just show up and see what happens and wish for the best. Um, like I said, we've got to get better than we've got to play a lot better offensively than we did last weekend. Defensively, I think we'll be fine, but offensively, we've certainly got to. Uh, be more consistent. We've got to be better on third down. Ben's got to be better with, with his throws. Our receivers got to be better um, with their hands and, and our offensive line has got to be better with, uh, with pass protection because that just was not there uh, this weekend. So um, I don't know. This one's going to be interesting. I do. I do. I think we're uh, six points better than, than ODU. I think we are, but do I think it'll be closer than that? I kind of do. I think it'll be a close game. I think we're looking at a three-point game. And and to your point that you said earlier, Josh, special teams has got to be better as well. And and it may come down to a field goal, or it may come down to pinning them um, back with a punt late in the game uh, to hold them from scoring. So uh, we got to be better. We got to be better than we're against Northwestern to expect to come out with a win. I agree, and they hold all the cards. You know, I mean, they played they played up. We played down opponent wise. They're at home. We've never been there. Uh just just in general. I mean, I like you said, they're an experienced team. They have a lot of experience. Now, Ricky Ronnie runs that old uh Bill Schneider Kansas State offense where his quarterback might run twenty five times and throw it twelve times. So we have to be prepared for that. And we haven't played an offense like that in quite a while. Not not quite like this. They are physical. They are huge up front on the offensive line. Their defense is pretty damn stout. Their front seven in particular and their defensive line 
I, you know, if I remember right, they weren't necessarily a great pass rushing bunch, but they were great run stoppers, and they have a lot of beef up front, especially at the nose tackle. So we're going to find out if we're going to run the football. And I, I got to be honest with you, based on what North, Northwestern State showed me, they had a decent defensive line, but we've got to be better than that. And if we're going to be successful as an offense in 2023, uh, we got to be able to run the football. And we can't run the football if the guys in the middle don't push. And I wasn't impressed with it. I'll be I'm just being honest. So hopefully that that big improvement that you you always mention, Nick, happens. But I'm shocked that it's six points. I'll be honest with you. As somebody who follows handicapping and, and watches these things and then watches these lines, I would have thought three, four points, uh, especially being on the road. I I really am shocked. Now I will say Watching ODU last year and this year, their strength is their physicality. Our strength is our speed. That's defense and offense. I think that they're going to rely heavily on their ability to push us around in the trenches, and we're going to rely heavily on our ability to pop big plays and use our speed. I think that's the matchup that we all need to be watching for, but special teams, you nailed it. Got to be sharp. Cannot do what we did on Saturday. Got to be sharp. Uh, and offensively, control the clock, run the football. Ben's got to be better, period. And you can't turn the damn football over three times. Cannot do that. We're already minus we're minus two, I think, Jerry, in, in the turnover margin. You turn it over twice against ODU on the road like that, you're not coming out with a win. I expect this game to be nip and tuck. Um, so I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. It's it's two different styles of football that are going to be clashing uh, Saturday Sunbelt football. You know, I'm excited. Now, everybody thought thought that when the Sun Belt expanded, the East was going to be the juggernaut. Well, it turns out the West is actually really good. We kind of mentioned that earlier. The East looks like it's kind of down. Uh, but but look, ODU was in the game with Virginia Tech into the late into the third quarter. This thing wasn't a walkover like the final score indicates. It was a good football game late. So it's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, I hope Ben gets his timing down, and I hope we can air it out a little bit just to make him honest. But I, I feel like we're going to rely on the run game to score points. What I'm interested to see is we struggled. Our offensive line struggled with speed because you often see that with FCS teams. They're not going to they're not going to be big, but they're going to be fast. And they were fast. And I, that they beat us so many times because of their speed. And now you're going up against, like you said, physicality, a physical team. It'll be kind of interesting to watch that and see how that plays out. Uh, because we didn't do so well uh, against against the speed of Northwestern State this weekend. You just muted yourself, Jerry. And you muted yourself somewhere else. So I don't know. I can't hear you. <laughs> We've gone haywire. Are you plugged in? Now he's getting now he's getting the same uh, problems that I had earlier. You might have to restart, pal. You might have to just restart your browser. But it's fine. Uh, look, I can ramble. Um, I, I, the ability for Northwestern State to constantly set the edge in a run game, that should not have happened. And then the ability for their pass rushers to get around our guy, our tackles, especially on the right side. And <laughs> whoever that is, I'm not going to say anybody's name, but I feel bad for saying it over and over. But the right side was an absolute, it was chaotic. But how many times did you see a guy now? And this is why I said, I don't know if they weren't prepared coaching wise. For this team, because how many times did I see the right side of the, of the offensive line stand there as two guys ran past him? Yeah, and looking the uh, looking left when when the the pressure is coming from the right, 
So that's why I don't understand if that was that's all communication, Nick. Or that, right there, exactly. And that and that could come from the quarterback as well. I mean, if yeah. he's not if he's not signaling signaling out the right assignments for the offensive line. Now I know in a lot of offenses that's the center's job, but in some offenses it is uh Ben. It would be Ben's job, be the quarterback's job. Now that would be a question for Mike. Something we could ask him if we could talk to him. But uh, but but that's a communication issue, and they blitzed a lot. So some of it might be some inexperience, but look, this this offensive line is not last year's offensive line. Last year's offensive line, you could say, look, they're inexperienced, they're young, they're this, they're that. This ain't that. We had a lot of underclassmen get a lot of reps last year. So if you want to talk to me about inexperience, I ain't ready to hear that. Somebody's got to do their job at some point. And the right side of the offensive line got to step up against ODU because they're going to try to lean on their physicality and push you around. That's just a fact. Go watch the, the Virginia. I didn't watch the whole Virginia Tech game, but if you watch the first little bit, uh, I watched probably the first quarter and a half. They, they they were physical in the trenches, and they will be against the Cajuns. We got to be ready for that. Jerry, you ready to take over? Can y'all hear me? Hey, no, hey, no, clear, go. maybe. All good, all good. Yeah, I think I think going into this game again, you're playing you're playing a team um, in unfamiliar territory, but at the same time, I do think I mean we have the talent, and we just have to execute. That's what it's all about. Just execute, and you know. I think, you know, pointing out their weaknesses, especially with the fact that they struggled against the pass, that that's what I'm going to be looking for. I'm going to be looking to see what our passing attack looks like and seeing what type of pass protection we can have. Um, and um, defensively, if it's true that their receivers could create separation, if it's true that, you know, their quarterback got 94 yards passing, I do think that our, our defense's opportunities to A, create turnovers and B, win the field position battle. I think that's huge because I do trust the fact that our five running backs can can go against their rush attack. I mean, their rush defense, even though they played well against Virginia Tech, I think that could carry us. Uh, I see a game pretty similar. Hopefully, I could see a game similar to what we saw uh, against Marshall last year, where we won the field position battle. We forced some turnovers. We made some key plays and um, our offense stayed on the field for the most part and, and and made the plays they had to make. Nothing spectacular, nothing fancy, but did enough to move down the field and score where their offense really was pretty pretty non-productive because of what our defense was able to do both in the air and against the run. So um again Well Nick Nick said it. We're more talented. If yeah. we line up and play Cajun football, we can win the game. We should win the game. Absolutely. But 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 do we execute? Like you said, do you execute? Do you execute? Do you not turn the you football over? You convert third downs. Do you, do you, do you stay the on the line. field on third down? And that's a big, huge part of that game. Stay on the field because they are going to munch clock. That's what they want to do. That's their offense. No and doubt. with the new rules about, you know, first downs, not you shorten the, the game. clock, that is your advantage. If you can convert third downs and run the ball, that is a huge advantage now. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So with that said... Cajuns travel up to Norfolk, Virginia this weekend uh, to take on the Old Dominion Monarchs or ODU Monarchs for the conference opener. Uh, game game time is set for 5 p.m. Central Time. You can see it on ESPN Plus or tune into uh, 103.3 The Goat uh, or Hot 107.9 and um, or what is it? 14.20 as well, too, I believe. Right. So, um, yeah, no excuse. Watch the game. Listen to the game. Enjoy. Hopefully the Cajuns can go two and oh so other news around campus we've well around the complex raging cajuns volleyball good start to the year 
good start to the year. Uh, four and three. Uh, they went to Lubbock over the weekend, went one and two. They were able to take care of business against Texas A&M Commerce. And that was coming off a win against Rice. Uh, three sets to zero. Number 18 Rice. First ranked win or first win against a ranked opponent in over a decade or in a, in a very long time. Um, congratulations to the girls on that win. They went to Lubbock one and two lost three sets to two against Wyoming in the second match. And then lost uh, three sets to zero against Texas tech. But I think coach Christy Gray's got something cooking with this team. Uh, you definitely see a lot of excitement. They actually lost. They were up two sets to zero against Mississippi state uh, a little over a week ago, ended up losing three uh, losing uh, three sets to two. But at the same time, I mean, this team is, you definitely see they compete. They're fun to watch. And um, I'm excited to see what they bring back to Earl K. Long because the the atmosphere is going to be fantastic. Uh, have you guys been able to follow a little bit of the volleyball team? Yeah. And what's even, what's cool is that um, living in Houston, um, one of my, actually two of my neighbors who have no affiliation with the university back in, in Louisiana, both were like, man, the guys beat Rice this weekend. I'm like, how did you know that? You so people are talking about it. It's exciting. Look, Chrissy is is doing a fantastic job. Um, the cupboard was not bare when she got here, uh, but she is really built on the success that we had before. So um look, she's uh she's doing a great job. I look for them to do great things in conference this year and uh, just keep building on on the success that they've had earlier in the season. Obviously, a couple of disappointing losses. At Mississippi State, I think they they were up two sets to nothing, and then Mississippi State came back and won three two. But um, you know, got to clean some of that up, and and I think it's going to be a good season for them. Signature win for Coach Christy Gray. You know, uh, I don't know much about Rice's volleyball program, but obviously it's well respected if it's ranked in the top twenty. Uh, so you know, you got to be ex- excited about that. And they swept them; they beat them in straight sets. I mean. That's a pretty that's a pretty interesting performance and result. Uh, would like to see them come back stronger against Texas Tech there, but it is what it is. I mean, that's good competition. We know Texas Tech has had a strong program for a multitude of years. Uh, but look, what's going to happen in conference is really the ultimate. You know, Texas State has been the dominant force in this conference for I don't know how long. It's felt felt like forever. Uh, but they were very good when they came here to Lafayette last year, and they were good in the Sun Belt Conference tournament. So. Right now, it's really nice to get a win out of conference against a, a team like Rice. Let's rebound, come home, and start stacking some W's in conference. Uh, you got a, a lot to look forward to in the volleyball team. Yeah, so that's volleyball. Uh, they will be playing uh, the school across the basin, OTSAB, Wednesday at 11 a.m. You can catch them, I believe, on the SEC Network or SEC Network Plus. I'm not sure. I'd have to look that up, but they will be back in action on Wednesday morning. Uh, and moving on to Cajun Soccer. Uh, Coach Chris McBride and the ladies traveled down to Florida. Uh, they lost a close match against a really good FAU squad, uh, two to one. Uh, they tied FIU two to two, and uh, they will be back on Thursday to take on Alcorn State uh, at the track complex. Uh, and the, I believe they the game will start at 6 p.m. So if you want to go catch some uh, Cajuns women's soccer, uh, they will be playing here. On Thursday, they actually and it's free and it's, it's free, free to walk yes. in, folks. It is Go free. Support the girls. They have a three-one and two record. They're off to a great start, probably one of their best starts ever. And um, you can definitely tell the improvement uh, from last year. Now that uh, Coach McBride has had a full offseason to work and not have to kind of come in at the last minute and build everything from scratch, uh, he's 
he's got something special as well. So, you know, besides football, you know, you've got a volleyball team and a soccer team that are both very competitive. So um, best of luck to them. Uh, Nick, quick question. Um, did you, were, were you, did you ever like, so, so whenever, uh, the, vo- I, I forgot to ask you this, when the volleyball team played at, at Rice, did you think about going? No, because I didn't know it was happening. <laughs> I found out like that day they were playing and I was like, oh, okay, there, there's a volleyball game going on. So no, I did not, uh, I did not make it down there. Gotcha. Gotcha. So before we go, there's one more thing I wanted to do. You know, we discussed, um, what was happening around the Sun Belt. Uh, just a, a quick, quick rundown of, of, of the Sun Belt um, this past weekend. The Sun Belt Conference went 10 and 4, 10 and 4 uh, against their competition. Um, just to give a quick rundown, uh, starting Thursday night, Georgia State was victorious over Rhode Island 42 to 35. Um, I, I don't know how that happened. Uh, I guess they can celebrate the win, but they were down, I think, like 28 21. And I tweeted something on the Razor Review app like, seriously Rhode Island really but uh luckily they redeemed themselves got the W but man that was <laughs> what a close game that was uh, it was actually a good shootout Rhode Island they're not a bad team uh being an FCS program so a uh, good win for Georgia State uh ugh, Arkansas State wow bro uh but the, the, the Butch uh, Jones uh experiments over and I mean, they just signed him to an extension, so they're stuck with him for a few years. Based on what? He's not won anything since he's been there. He's both the AD and he got extensions, and I think the AD is big Butch Jones fan. So I I don't know, man. Well, they can good be a, God. They can be big, it's worse than the. They can be big uh, Butch Jones fans as they want because uh, Arkansas State destroyed. I mean, just dominated by Oklahoma. Seven. It looked like he was gonna cry. Did you see? Yeah, that? I did. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but for those of you who didn't, I didn't know. know. Uh, I didn't know they just extended him, man. It's uh, worse than the Marlin contract. Well, well <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, final score, Oklahoma 73, Arkansas State nothing or zero. Ooh, 73 to zero. What a way to open up your season. Just imagine eight months of preparing for one team and you go out there and you lose 73 to zero. And it's like not like they they were ranked number one in the country or anything. They were, I mean, they're ranked. They're a good team. They're ranked 20th. They were coming you, off a six and six year last year. I mean, come on, man. Jeez, and Pete's. But anyways, yeah, they got a lot. I don't of have to imagine it. it happened to us 10 times in my lifetime. Yeah, that is true. Washington well, State. <laughs> oh, 77 to seven. Wazoo. I remember 1997. Thank God we're past that. Anyway, uh, App State. Actually, App State had, you know, they, they had a little challenge against Gardner-Webb, uh, but they were able to win the game. They were victorious in Boone, 45-24. JMU, walk in the park against Bucknell, 38-3. Georgia Southern dominated the Citadel by a score of 34-0. Marshall had a little tough time against Albany. Uh, Albany was always kind of that March Madness team that I was used to seeing on the bracket. And then all of a sudden, you look at the score against Albany in football, and they won 21-17. Close game there, but luckily they got the win. You know, I hate to do this, but I got to give a shout out to the Warhawks. Good win against um, at home in Malone Stadium against uh, Army, seventeen to thirteen. Impressive. That's win. a good. That's a great W bringing back to the Sun Belt. A good win. I, so this thing, people try to make you a little rival. They're not a rival. Not, they, I, I don't not. ever think of them. So yeah. when they get a get a good win like that, I have no issue saying, "Great job, Warhawks." Exactly. Call. Oh my Call. gosh, the horror! But you're leaving anyway, so it's fine. It's all good. Um, anyway, uh, defending Sunbelt champion, Troy victorious over Stephen F. Austin at home by the score of 48 to 30 Southern miss 
Easy win over Alcorn State, 40-14. to 14. Uh, As we talked about, Virginia Tech was victorious against Old Dominion, who will be, of course, our next opponent by the score of 36-17. to 17. South Alabama, I think they'll learn their lesson about putting – or a lesson about putting Mardi Gras-themed football helmets. Um, I guess they tried to do that as a diss, and Tulane definitely took that seriously. Uh, Tulane got the win over the Jaguars by the score of 37-17 to 17 in New Orleans. And uh, Coastal Carolina went to Los Angeles to the Rose Bowl, played UCLA to a tough matchup, but just weren't enough against the Bruins. The UCLA Bruins defeated the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers by a score of 27 to 13. Of course, the Louisiana Rage of Cajuns victorious over the Northwestern State Demons 38 to 13. And last but not least, the pride of San Marcos, Texas. Texas State going to Waco against Baylor victorious over the Baylor Bears, 42-31. to 31. Job well done to the Bobcats. Yeah, former D coordinator still, uh, isn't he still over there with uh, Aranda? Mm, Ron Roberts? Yeah. Yeah, Roberts? He is. As far he? as I know? Yeah, I think yeah, he as far is. As I, know. I think so. Hey, that's a great win, though. I mean, look, every, I think we've got like a four or five year streak here where Sunbelt teams go out and out of conference and get big wins. And Texas State, look, I know they're one of our opponents and our peers, but I'm so happy for them. They have all the facilities. They have all. They have the talent. They have all the money. They deserve to be a good program. Look at their baseball program. The fans show how much they support. You know, their basketball team has been up and down, but their fans show off for that. And their poor football team just could not get it together. They finally got some new, new leadership last year with a, an AD and a new uh, president and everything. And it seems like things are starting to turn uh, turn the right way for the guys out in San Marcos. So that's a huge win, and it also bolsters the West. And I keep saying it, the West has been putrid for so long. It's going to make it more interesting with a guy like TJ Finley going out and beating Baylor, and then when they come here this year, right? They do. So when they when they come to town, you know, people are going to perk up for that game. They're going to know who TJ Finley is. They're going to be interested to see that game. So that's great for the league, and I'm just I'm happy for them. That's a great win. And it was long overdue. schedule. I was I was just gonna say before you you Jerry our home schedule is perking up this year man I mean you got Buffalo Texas State is performing Southern Miss is coming to town if you can't get pumped up for those games then you ain't a Cajun fan you ain't a well, college football fan well right. shit Buffalo Buffalo played Wisconsin heavy that uh, whole no. game they did. I was impressed by them they're they good did. they did lose but it was a good game and they look they're gonna be a challenge for us they've got some they've got some size they've got some skilled players they're physical they're not the they're not the normal you know, Mac school that runs a spread and you, you outsize them and outspeed. No, they're good. They're a good football team. So they're going to be a challenge as well. Um, but again, the sun, that's going to do it for the sun belt or around the belt, uh, 10 and four this week. Good week. Um, obviously you need like Arkansas state. Hopefully they have a pulse. They play Memphis this week in Jonesboro. Um, but, uh, man, they, that was, that was a tough one to see, but, uh, overall, a good week for the belt. Uh, by the way, I found an interesting stat. So you talked about uh, some, you know, the Sun Belt schools winning against the Big Twelve. Josh, I believe since 2019, uh, I think the Sun Belt has a 500 record against the Big Twelve. Yeah, that's right, six and six. That's impressive. All right, look, yep. man, we're 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 moving on up, man. We're moving on up slowly but surely. So uh, they're gonna give us our respect, or we're gonna take it. That's right. That's right. Look, we're fighting for that bet that 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 top G five spot, and I think right hey, look, now Cajuns get Minnesota. Yeah. This year, 
And I love the way it comes in the schedule. It's later down the year. We have some opportunity to get into a rhythm and we're, we're, we're you know, clicking on all cylinders, all those metaphors and all that crap. But seriously, I mean, if y'all watch the game, uh, Minnesota and um, Nebraska, Nebraska yeah. Yeah. They've, they've, they've got some players, but they have some holes too. So yeah, it'll true. be interesting to see how they develop. I think the Cajuns have a lot of talent. I think we can compete. That's true. That's true. So that's going to do it for around the belt. Uh, guys, you know, again, um, first episode to kick off season six. Uh, we went a little over two hours tonight, but uh, we wanted to thank everybody for joining. Um, and look, we'll be here every week. Uh, we're, I know we had a lot of questions being asked. Where are y'all and what's going on? What are y'all doing? Uh, we decided to follow the Northeast school schedule, right? Where, you know, down here, we go back to school in early August. Nah, we took a little bit of an extra summer break and decided to come after Labor Day or come back after Labor Day. So uh, we apologize for the delay, but we're back now. So you got to deal with us for the next 10 months. Uh, Josh. We love you, man. It's been fun. It's been a pleasure. We know that you'll be behind the scenes, but in the meantime, this will probably be your last episode for a while, unless you need to fill in every once in a while in case Nick or I get sick or have other obligations. Uh, but uh, it's been fun having you on the air with us. Nick and I will be steering this ship from here on out, and uh, we will be back uh, hopefully Saturday depending on uh, what's going on with our schedules, hopefully for a post game. So hopefully, hopefully a happy a post happy game. Post game. So people won't be calling in screaming and yelling and pulling their hair out going, what happened? Well, Kyle. Hey, Kyle, shout out to Kyle watching us tonight. Kyle uh, is going to yell regardless. So yeah. I look forward to he's, a call from Kyle. Yes. If you're still on, Kyle. Yes. but hopefully it's a call that where he's, where he's still happy. He's yelling while he's happy because we're, we're two and O. So again, uh, you know, we got volleyball coming up. We got soccer coming up on Saturday. The Cajuns go to Norfolk, Virginia to take on the Monarchs of ODU. Kickoffs at five o'clock, ESPN plus 1033 the 1033 the GOAT, 1420. Hey, as always, guys, I'm Jerry. That's Nick. That's Josh. And we are the Region Review Podcast. Have a good night, everybody. And as always, go Cajuns.